Bloomberg's World Headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up, violent protests at Apple's main iPhone plant in China. The latest on the Bloomberg scoop that could impact sales ahead of the holiday season. Plus, Sam Bankman-Fried says the FTX empire quickly went from $60 billion in collateral to $9 billion, according to an apology letter to staff. More on that and how SBF got his start on Wall Street. And Elon Musk is having second thoughts about that moderation council after saying activists broke the deal. More on that and Musk's new trend of quoting, well, himself. Meanwhile, though, let's check out these markets because had a bit of risk on another second day of trading in the green S&P up by six tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq actually up almost a percentage point. This all comes after the Federal Reserve minutes that came out at 2 p.m. today. This, of course, giving the meeting little tidbits from what was being discussed. And the key takeaway, Ed, is that maybe most of the people at the Federal Reserve right now don't think that we should be hiking at a pace of 75 basis points and into infinity. They do think that we're going to slow down the pace. We do think, therefore, maybe a peak in terms of this rate hike cycle and indeed, therefore, inflation. We're seeing also the riskier assets like Bitcoin getting a bid, but currently flat on the day that we know the change of time is what happens here. But 16,470 Notably, though, volumes are very low on Bitcoin. In fact, volumes are thin everywhere as we've got a holiday shortened week. But a three-month low for Bitcoin. And flip it on a gear, because also what's at a three-month low? The VIX, the volatility index, the fear gauge. We are seeing perhaps some muted volumes there. And maybe just a little bit of, well, uh, overall lack of concern that really isn't evidenced by what we all talk about in the media, Ed. Yeah, I want to go straight to the private markets, Caroline, and a Bloomberg scoop about Tiger Global. According to sources, Tiger has written down and marked down its private investments 24% this year, almost a quarter. Of course, we know about what's happened with valuations in both private and public space. If you look at some of the names, Stripe, FTX, Instacart, those whose valuations have come down. Well, now Tiger Global, according to sources, feeling the impact of that across private and public public markets losing or marking down assets by about $42 billion, according to our Bloomberg scoop. 
incredible reporting from Hema Palmer and team. Going to the public markets, interesting day, very news-driven uh, here in the United States. The first name that we're talking about, Autodesk, worst performer on the NASDAQ 100. We're going to talk to the CEO later in the show, but they cut their outlook for billings. We want to know why. Cooper, jumping by the most since 2016 when it went public, up almost 30%. Another Bloomberg scoop. According to sources, Vista Equity Partners has opened talks to acquire that software name. Tesla, finally, Tesla rebounding in what a way, almost 8% higher after just ongoing declines in that stock. A number of names in the market saying the sell-off in Tesla was overdone, including Morgan Stanley. Well, the market thinks so too. And lastly, Apple, interesting, closing up six-tenths of 1%. The big report overnight, protests at that factory in Zhongzhou, the key production site for the iPhone 14. I know we're going to get into that story, Cara. Let's do that right now because we're going to dig into what happened at the main iPhone making plant in China. As you say, Ed, hundreds of workers clashing with security personnel after almost a month under tough COVID restrictions. We're pleased to say Bloomberg's own Ian King is here for more details. And Ian, you follow Foxconn in particular. And, well, had this been anticipated? What sort of an impact does this have on the output and the production as well as the people? Yeah, I mean, from an Apple perspective, this is not entirely surprising given that we've seen increasing pressure in China, you know, people essentially fighting back, being sick of these COVID lockdowns. Um, so for Apple, this isn't surprising, but it's also kind of worrying that this is an escalation that we're actually seeing some form of open protest and open resistance to these rules and, and you know, if you take Foxconn's word for it, everything's okay now, don't worry, it was just a dispute and, and we'll deal with it in the contractual framework and everything will be fine. But in the overall context of what's happening in China, you know, the, the videos that some of our colleagues were able to take a look mm -hmm. at for us and get hold of are very worrying. Ian, you cover a broad range of technologies for us at Bloomberg, principally the chip sector, but also kind of supply chains more broadly. This is like really difficult for Foxconn, but what does it mean broadly about US-China relations? Because technology is basically at the heart of that conversation, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you've got an escalating trade dispute between the world's two largest economies and what's being used by the US as its chief tool to attack China or to, to hold China back is technology and semiconductors in particular. So you have this escalating dispute, but at the same time, that part of China is an absolutely crucial part of this diverse, wonderful, call it what you like, complicated supply chain that spans the globe. So much of the world's electronics economy goes through that part of the world. If we can't rely upon that, if there is going to be increasing difficulties of doing business there, then there has to be some huge changes. And those changes, at least for investors, are going to mean initially huge amounts of costs and a lot of time probably to relocate some of those factories and some of that you know expertise that exists there. 
one to watch, no matter who you are, from a personal perspective and indeed from an investor perspective. Ian King, thank you for taking some time with us today. And let's continue this conversation. Let's get the investor perspective. I'm very pleased to say that Anne Berry, managing partner and founder of Threadneedle Ventures, is with us, an investor in Apple, also an investor in Disney and Amazon and Meta. So many conversations to be having with you, Anne, at the moment. And let's just talk, first and foremost, about the Apple conversation. How worrying is this sort of violence erupting, one that you'd already braced yourself for, perhaps? Well, the reason I find it so uh, worrying, Caroline, is this is at least one we know about, which are the ones we don't know about. So as mm. we look ahead to how we roll out at the end of this year, which has been a very tentative one coming into the holiday season, if more of this is happening across China that we're not aware of, it means we are going to get some more bad news on supply chains as we head into the beginning of the next one. That's what I'm looking out for certainly in the public markets. Hey, Anne, this is a really interesting story, right? Why are we concerned about Zhengzhou? Zhengzhou accounts for four out of every five iPhone 14 Pro handsets made, right? When you look at the stock story, the equity story, are you worried? You know, this is a stock that's fared better than the S&P 500, but it's still down, and, and there are a lot of voices in the market saying, hmm, I'm not sure how impactful this will be in either direction for Apple. Well, it's, you, you, you heard from Ian just the importance of that part of the world in terms of the concentration of chip manufacturing and consumer electronics manufacturing. I think in terms of the impact on the Apple story, the much bigger one has been around global demand. Everyone's accepted that supply chain disruption is going to be par for the course uh, for a little bit uh, longer. The, the big uncertainty right now is how is consumer sentiment how is consumer debt going to start to dampen expenditure on discretionary items such as the iPhone? And when is inflation going to abate so that disposable income start coming back up again? I think those are the bigger drivers for the Apple story. And let's delve into that a little bit more, Anne, because, of course, you do have a wide array of investments and, indeed, areas that you like to focus on, retail mm -hmm. first and foremost as yeah. well. Talk to us a little bit about, as we anticipate, how Apple products will sell, but yeah. how every product will sell in the next few days. What is the consumer looking like to you? Well, I, you're really seeing, Caroline, and we've seen this, this isn't the first time. We saw this in 2008, 2009. My background's uh, private equity. And whenever this kind of dynamic came about, we would look to try to find two areas of retail to focus on, and including in tech and consumer products that are tech-oriented. Higher-income consumers tend to do fine. It is the lower income households that really struggle. The higher income individuals and consumers tend to trade down. We've seen that with Walmart. I'm sure that some of the Best Buy news that we saw where people were bargain hunting, that's your higher income consumer trying to go and find really great deals right now. That's not your struggling uh, household that's really been hit the hardest by inflation, really been hit the hardest by energy prices. So I think we're going to see value retail do very well because everyone's going there. And I think we're going to see luxury hold up when it comes to things like gifting and special holiday season expenditure. It's really bifurcated, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and it's painful, as always. The yeah. same people seem to get hurt. The same people seem to win. But interestingly, do the same players win? I'm thinking also of Amazon, which you have a big exposure to. This is a company that's become so large in every part of our lives, whether it's the way we consume, we've, the visuals, yeah. whether it's about the way we spend. Are they going to do well navigating this environment? 
Do you know what I love about Amazon, actually, Caroline, and you know I've talked about this in the past, I think that Amazon becomes its most innovative and its most creative, and frankly, it's gutsiest when it comes to these kinds of environments. So Amazon really announced that they were going to be launching telehealth services. I'm, I'm sure you saw that. They've been trying to push into healthcare. They bought PillPack. They've been looking at ways to integrate uh, pharma into their prime um, services. But this is where you see the Amazon stepping back and saying, OK, how am I going to allocate my capital now? It's actually not going to be on consumer stuff. It's going to be in services and places like healthcare. So I think those pivots are actually the strongest indicators right now for where we're going to see longer-term investment trends. And another huge story of the week, Disney. Bob yeah. Iger back. Yeah. Bob Chapek out. Your reaction, please, as an investor in that company. Well, I'm going to start as a Brit, since there are now three of us here, but I was oh, playing... The take... fourth so the far. The fourth, really. <laughs> so I was playing take that back for good, almost, as the kind of the jump-off <laughs> for when I saw that announcement. Look, I think it's, uh, it's very good to have a safe pair of hands back in the saddle. And I think, Ed and Caroline, when you look at what's happened over the last six to nine months, uh, whether it's private companies, whether it's public ones, the businesses that have had bad news, whether it's attrition subscription in Netflix, uh, whether it's been um, Snap, for example, where we've seen a number of users fall down. Let's go and use that word again, Caroline, bifurcation. The ones that have at least come out with a plan have been rewarded, Netflix. We don't really know if it's going to work in the long run with their ad tier, but they've been rewarded. The ones with no plan, Snap, have been absolutely punished. Disney, to me is going to be a little bit somewhere in the middle right now. So we've got a trusted, safe pair of hands back in the CEO seat, but we need to hear what the plan is going to be. And until we hear what that plan is, uh, I, I do think we're going to have some uncertainty around Disney. For the moment, I'm pleased, but I want to hear the details. Hey, Anne, we're so grateful to have you to wrap the news of the week. But just very quickly before you go, give us the Anne Berry 2023 outlook. Oh, you know what? I wish I were the bearer of brilliant news going into the Thanksgiving season, but oh. I've been a bit more bearish than some. And I think that's because we're riding this sort of bubble at the moment of optimism that the Fed's going to start slowing down on their rate hikes. But I think this issue of how, how much the consumer uh, is suffering, not just in the US, also in Europe. I don't think we talk enough about Europe here in the US yeah. right now and just and the impact. I think we're going to see that filtering through in 2023. So I'm really looking at much uh, sort of safer stories right now, much less discretionary spending. I'm looking at all sorts of investments, particularly on the private side, that are sort of longer term plays. Okay. Threadneedle Ventures, managing partner and founder, Anne Berry, thank you. Coming up, we'll bring you the latest in the FTX debacle and Sam Bankman-Fried's apology. That's all next. This is Bloomberg. Still the story of the week, of the month, of the year. Let's continue to dive deeper into what propelled the fall of crypto exchange FTX. The founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, apologizing to employees for the crypto exchange's failure. Bloomberg's Annie Massa joins us for more on what we've learned from the bankruptcy hearing again, Annie, and also his own background. First and foremost, what do you make of any sort of apology coming at this point? 
That's right. So Sam Bankman-Fried has apologized now in a letter to uh, the exchange's employees, and he sort of said that he wishes that they didn't end up in this place, that he's sorry for what went wrong. I mean, it's up to those employees who have really experienced dramatic fallout from this implosion to decide uh, whether that's enough of an apology for them. But um, he is still speaking out about what happened and giving his side of the story. Hey, Annie, if you're new to this story, I have some sympathy because each day a new name comes up. The latest name is Jane Street. Could you explain to the audience the relationship between Sam Bankman-Fried, FTX, and Jane Street? Sure. There are a lot of players to keep track of, like you mentioned. So Sam Bankman-Fried ran FTX, uh, the now bankrupt crypto exchange, once the second largest crypto exchange in the world. But before all of that and before this dramatic downfall, he worked at a Wall Street trading firm called Jane Street. And Jane Street is really known um, for its obsessive focus on risk. And it's a very successful trading firm, and his pedigree and background at Jane Street is part of what helped him get to the level that he got to. It's part of what helped him impress VC investors and people all around both traditional Wall Street and crypto. Um, Jane Street's known for attracting really um, you know, very uh, high IQ math nerds. It's known for its love of uh, puzzles and games and, uh, and just for its success, but it's a very stealthy firm. So in our story, we pointed out today that FTX doesn't seem to have brought to bear uh, Jane Street's focus on risk to its own enterprise, mm. to say the least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that Overall, over at Jane Street, they permanently were trying to learn from previous mistakes, trying to analyze what had gone wrong, trying to keep on innovating and, and looking at risk. He seems to have done basically the opposite. Many were blamed because of the stratospheric way in which the company grew. Some would talk it just messy accounting, whatever they want to be di di divulging of it. But the bridge that he built between crypto and traditional finance and regulators. How much has that now seemingly been undercut by what he was up to? Yeah, so he had this background uh, from a traditional Wall Street firm, you know, from traditional financial markets. Okay. Jane Street's an enormous player in ETFs. And, um, and Jane Street's, you know, well-known and very well-respected. So he brought this pedigree really to uh, the world of crypto and it helped ingratiate him and, and helped make other, you know, investors feel comfortable with him and uh, helped really, helped him impress them, impress the rest of the trading world. So, I mean, what's happened at FTX has really like boggled the minds of those VC investors of traditional Wall Street and of crypto as well, um, the way that it's unraveled so rapidly and the intertwined, really, uh, really deeply intertwined ties between Alameda, his uh, trading firm and hedge fund and FTX. And it's, it's really shocked um, everyone in, in, in all of those spheres. All right, just very deep, terrific reporting there from Bloomberg's Annie Master. Thank you. Coming up, we'll be joined by Autodesk CEO Andrew Anagnost to talk about his vision for the company and how it's navigating a pretty challenging macroeconomic environment right now. 
This is Bloomberg. Autodesk slumped as much as 10% on Wednesday before pairing losses. Still, it was the worst performing stock on the Nasdaq 100. This after it cut its full-year billings outlook. Analysts say demand for multi-year contracts fell as customers preferred one-year contracts. That's the story of Autodesk. They want to move to annual renewals. But it's also the challenging macro environment. Fortunately, Autodesk CEO Andrew Anagnost is here with us. So, I guess the question at this point, Andrew, is why? Why are customers behaving in this way? What are you learning from your earnings report this season? Well, you know, first, first off, we're learning that the business is highly resilient. It's highly diverse. So we're seeing a lot of uh, great outcomes in, from the diversity of business outside of China and Russia. But we're also seeing sensitivity to currency fluctuations. We, we saw that in the quarter. We're, we, we see that moving forward. But we're also seeing softness in Europe. And like you said earlier in the introduction, one of the things we're trying to do is we're moving our, our customers away from paying upfront for multi-year contracts to buying multi-year contracts that are billed annually. And you know, when you're entering a period of uncertainty, people start to conserve cash. And that's what you saw with regards to the billing guidance. And I think a lot of the reaction you saw to the stock wasn't really about what we're talking about in the next quarter. It's about some of the signs that we were projecting about next year. Yeah, talk about those projections, though, because our Bloomberg intelligence analysts, many of analysts out there sort of talking about you were very optimistic back in 2020, almost perhaps too optimistic, setting yourself grand targets that then due to macro, maybe due to micro, you're having to pair back from. How hard is it in this environment to forecast for the next year, to forecast out further than the next year? Yeah, we, we remember we were we were optimistic before the pandemic hit, and certainly we actually performed incredibly well through the entire pandemic. But really, the, what's really making it hard right now is the unprecedented volatility we're seeing in currency exchange rates. I mean, we we signaled next year that there's probably a five point headwind on on our revenue, our, our as reported revenue, just from currency headwinds. You know, and also, the, look, the uncertainty in Europe right now, you, one of your earlier speakers spoke about the fact that Europe's not getting enough airtime. I would tend to agree with that. You know, we're about to head into the Russian winter there. And, you know, that, that could inject more volatility and more, more concern into our end markets and into other people's end markets as we move forward. So it pays to be cautious as we kind of get through this winter season and head into next year. But... Currency fluctuations make it really hard to know where things are going to go. And also some of these concerns with regards to energy costs in Europe are, are affecting some of our biggest customers. Talk fundamentals here, though, because almost an FX conversion is in some way technical. But really, how bleak does the economic outlook look in Europe? And do you have to start pivoting away, start deciding that you're going to change up your business, look at the costs over there, look at the way in which you thought you would penetrate Europe more broadly? Absolutely not, yes, because you're, you're right. FX is a technical thing. Cost and currency-wise 
our business looks a lot stronger and Europe continued to grow. It just slowed. All right. And I, I think it's important to recognize that Europe will continue to slow. However, here's what's important. The customers who are using our products are working on critical parts of the economy. They're working on buildings. They're working on infrastructure. They're working on manufacturing. They need these products to complete what they're doing. And in tough times, what they do is invest in greater digitization. And what we want to do is partner with our European customers, our American customers, our Asian customers to help them digitize more effectively in a world where they're frankly telling us they have capacity problems, labor shortages, material, material access shortages. They have more business than they can actually execute on right, right now. And I think that's what we have to pay attention for the long term. Hey, Andrew, I think it's worth reminding the audience, right, what Autodesk does. You guys make software for architects, for big construction projects that helps with design. And I know you want to move into other areas. That leads me to M&A. M&A, are there options for you there? I know there's some chatter in the market about some private names, some ArcGIS makers, Esri is one. Have you tried to buy a name like that? Could you buy a name like that? Well, we never comment publicly on, on, on M&A, but what I will say is we've always been an acquisitive company and we're super interested in growing adjacents around our business. We want to fully connect design and make together in the cloud. So we're always looking at things that lean into the future of where our market's going. So look for so us to continue to be acquisitive. Uh, valuations have reset. They reset uh, uh, quite a bit this year, so we were less acquisitive than usual years. But look for us to get back to our normal levers, levels of acquisitiveness as we move forward. Hey, uh, another big story this week, HP, cutting up to 6,000 jobs over the next three years. I know that's on the hardware side, but you know, in terms of financial discipline, in terms of reacting to the macro picture, what cost cut measures, what discipline measures are you taking? You know, the good news is, is we've always been really disciplined heading through this entire cycle. We never tried to get over our skis in terms of investing for the future. We've tried to invest prudently, strategically. We've taken adjustments as we went along. If, if, we, if we found ourselves building up uh, headcount where we shouldn't. We adjusted as we went along. We've always done small adjustments. So we feel that we're in a really good place, that we can prudently yeah. move forward. We're going to continue to invest. And if there's a problem, we just turn off the hiring spigot. Okay. Autodesk CEO Andrew Anagnost, it's real pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. Pleasure. Coming Thank up, you for having me. Elon Musk is quoting himself through his tough Tesla days to justify his current Twitter strategy. We'll talk about that next. This is Bloomberg.
welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. Ed Ludlow, he's over in San Francisco. And Ed, just talk to us once again, Elon Musk pulling out another rabbit in the hat in terms of the Twitter saga. What's he doing now? Well, everything we've talked about has been so focused on the company, the layoffs, how the company's structured. But what about the platform, right? He tweets on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, that activists that he appears to have had an agreement with have reneged on that bargain, on that deal, uh, which was part of his reasoning for forming a moderation council. Go back a few weeks. He talks about this moderation council being a wide and diverse range of voices who would make basically content moderation and policy decisions. Now, the reason I bring that up is that some key things have happened in recent days, right? And you think about the actions that have been taken. He said that he would not reinstate President Trump's Twitter account without in being informed by this moderation council. November 18th, he tweets the poll. You see that on your screen. The majority of respondents vote in favor of reinstating Trump. So on the following day, the 19th, he does reinstate Trump, though Trump says he's not interested in returning to the platform. He's sticking with Truth Social. Fast forward, November 22nd, present day, he tweets. Now, what's not clear, does that mean that Musk is done with the Moderation Council and that idea is over? Or does it mean it's been compromised or undermined by what Musk calls activists? We don't know who these activists are specifically. But it's an interesting question because now what we're starting to see, Caroline, is platform decisions, not mm. company decisions, but things that, in, in, you know, they impact your and my ability, the audience's ability to use the Twitter platform. And let's just talk a little bit also about how he uses the platform himself, because Ed, it's taking a lot, it would seem, Elon Musk, of his own advice on Twitter at the moment when it comes to his management style of Twitter. And in a latest column by our Business Week friend and colleague Max Chafkin, he writes that the new Twitter CEO is impressed by points that he himself once made previously as the Tesla CEO, of course, which still is. Bloomberg's Max Chafkin joins us now to explain. It's a really amusing article, but you're sort of poking at something that is brutally real, that he sort of keeps getting sense of self uh, inflation by the wisdom he's given in previous years. Yeah, uh, in the article I focused on what's kind of a funny phenomenon that anyone who follows Elon Musk will kind of recognize, which is there are these fan accounts that uh, do nothing essentially but tweet uh, quotes from Elon Musk. And Musk has a tendency to respond to those in the affirmative. So uh, he'll see something that he has already said and sort of respond exactly or, you know, <laughs> great point or whatever, which is uh, pretty funny uh, just as a behavior. And, and who knows, maybe he's doing it in part as, as, as yet another kind of troll. But I think it's interesting because as Ed is talking about, we are seeing this gigantic, you know, very large social network. He, he paid $44 billion for this thing, borrowed a, a very large sum of money. And so many of the decisions are coming down to basically the whims of, of Elon Musk, uh, where he's, you know, deciding whether or not to ban or, or unban uh, people based on, it's, it seems honestly, how he's feeling at the moment. And we're also seeing a situation where there, the circle of advisors 
uh, seems to be very small and seems to, you know, mostly consist of people who are basically telling him what he wants to hear. And when you back away from Twitter, you see that Elon Musk is also running, you know, a very large uh, electric car company. Uh, he's also a, a major defense contractor. And you have to wonder, people who work at those companies ha have to be asking themselves, why is he spending so much time, you know, talking, for instance, to these kind of like wannabe talk show hosts, to these right wing influencers, to these meme accounts? You know, the other day he was he was tweeting with something called Cat Turd, which is like a, you know, right wing memer. Um, it is not necessarily the behavior that you'd expect from somebody who's um, taking a rigorous or serious approach to running, uh, you know, a social media company. Instead, mm -hmm. it's somebody who's treating this like basically like an influencer. Yeah. He's he's playing to the crowd. Yes, Max, you ask at the top of your column, reality distortion field, anyone? Talk to us about that reality. I mean, as journalists, we've come in for criticism from Musk about how we've covered his Twitter takeover. But what we've got to go on are the tweets that he makes. What have you learned from Musk's tweets since October 27th, 28th, when he closed the deal and owns the company? Well, I, a couple of things. One is, you know, the reality of distortion field, that cuts both ways. And I feel like over the last, you know, five years or so, as we've been talking about Musk, you know, a point that, you know, lots of people, including myself, bring up all the time is that he's an amazing marketer. And this this sense of like a different reality, the sense that anything is possible, that stuff has all really worked to his advantage um, and has allowed him to build, you know, the largest, most valuable automaker one of the largest companies in the world, pretty much against all odds. And I think what we're seeing is kind of the other side of the coin here, where, um, you know, he's in this very, it, what feels like a very narrow world, right? He's sitting there reading the mentions. And, um, and, and you know, Musk's point, right, that, uh, oh, the, the journalists are out to get him, or, you know, the other day he was accusing the Associated Press of being part of, you know, the far left establishment. You know, it's honestly pretty hard to know how seriously to take that stuff. It, it feels like it's mostly just about trying to juice engagement for yeah. Twitter. And, you know, as as Twitter has continued under Musk, he's been posting these charts, right, where they, they gained a, a million unique visitors over the last week or something, yeah. and which is kind of cool, but it, it feels like, you know, this may be very short-sighted. Max, we always like your long-term perspective. Thanks for bringing it. Bloomberg Business Week columnist Max Chafkin there. Meanwhile, look, one of the things that we're all noticing is the employee exodus at Twitter has been raising concerns about diversity at the company. Lots of pictures circulating of well, far more male influence left building with Elon. It's a problem, not just for Twitter, but the tech space at large, of course. And we want to just look at the metaverse now. A new report says women are spending more time in the metaverse and are more likely to spearhead initiatives in the next generation of the internet. But men still hold 90% of the executive positions at organized shaping this emerging market. Now, the report by McKinsey says, quote, women are still locked out of leadership roles key to establishing an inclusive metaverse. Women hold just 8 to 10 percent of leadership positions at organizations driving metaverse standards. For more, we want to get into all of this with Savannah Day Goins, founder and CEO of WomenX Meta, which aims to place more women at the forefront of Web3 technology. And 
Savannah, what's really interesting is we went to our audience and we put out a poll and said, A, do you worry about a lack of diversity in metaverse? Do you think it's going okay? Or why should I care? Most said, why does it matter? Tell us, why does this matter that it's diverse? Because I think if you look at the history, women in particular and people of color have been at the center of innovation, yet they don't hold those leadership roles. So if you don't have those voices at the table to make sure that that build has all of the inclusiveness and richness that is offered by innovation and technology, then you're missing out on that opportunity. How are you already seeing that reflected in the very first innings of what's being built in Web3? Well, I think that there are women and there are people of color here, but we don't often get the highlight and the spotlight. And I think that that is um, sort of damaging in terms of how you think about where we're headed in the future, the democracy that was promised in Web3. But we're already seeing that even when you look at AI and other types of technology, it isn't being fed properly mm. to reflect the diversity of the people that are going to be consuming it. So it is necessary to have that innovation at that conference and at that table. Hey, Savannah. I love what you just said about different types of technology. If you allow me, I just want to draw on some of my reporting experiences of the last few years. I was reporting on self-driving, and I had a conversation with Aisha Evans, the CEO of Zooks, about this very topic, and she made a very simple point. They're designing a product, right? It is a future product that doesn't exist now, a fully self-driving vehicle, no steering wheel, no pedals, but her point was very simple. If you're designing something that is for people of all genders and creeds, you have to have those people involved in the process. Otherwise, the product doesn't reflect your market audience. Is that same principle applicable to the metaverse? Absolutely. It's the same kind of ideal about technology and future-focused sort of living, working, and playing, right? So the ideas are generally the same, that if you want everyone to participate and you want to have a profitable product, then you make sure that everyone has a voice in that so that you actually are a company that can thrive in the next generation. So what do you want Meta and companies like Meta to do, Savannah? You know, Meta dominates the market for virtual augmented reality headsets right now. They're kind of the real world manifestation of the metaverse. What can they do to solve this problem? Well, I think it's pretty simple that you just need to do an outreach to those large groups of people who are sitting here waiting to actually participate. I think what we look at is Web3 is already starting to prove that there are individual entrepreneurs who are out here innovating and creating for the next generation. So if you want to participate and you are not already in Web3, then you're going to have to reach out to the people here who are building and who are creating. So Meta isn't just there as the only company that is making a difference here. It's actually some of the independent entrepreneurs who are. We did see, particularly perhaps in the NFT space, 
women coming together, a lot of it was felt celebrity endorsed in some way, but coming together and trying to say, let's build, in that way, it was like art that's reflective mm -hmm. of women. Unfortunately, I think a lot of the art that got made was basically hot women, which I don't think is actually all that inclusive. But I'm interested in what you think can be done in the here and now that stops, for example, when Apple first released its health app, there yeah. not being a period tracker. Like that was sort of an evidence in that mm -hmm. particular form mm -hmm. of Web 2 where a lack of female engineers and building the software mm -hmm. had an impact. Mm -hmm. What's being lost now and what is more optimistically being built by the women and the people of color already at the table? So I think what's being missed now is that e opportunity to actually have a very um, expansive idea of what the metaverse can be. Because I think what we often look at is just the technology, but we don't think about how the technology can actually solve century-old problems, mm. right? And like. I think... Like, for example, we have a healthcare system that is really crippled, right? And if we can find ways to actually look at it across the globe as to how everyone is innovating and sort of bringing that together into how the metaverse can be used to solve that sort of problem, that would be fantastic. Um, I actually think that... Um, when you think about how women participate here, they don't really want a casual sort of hyped focused um, opportunity. They want to really deeply be engaged, whether it's about healthcare or whether it's about the way that um, they live and they exercise. They want everything to be lifestyle and have real user experience here. And that is what women bring to this. And I think with respect to how you thought about the art and you saw you mentioned NFTs. I think the people who are artists really want to reap the benefits mm. of actually having built something that people appreciate. And in previous generations, once they sold their piece of art, they never really saw any benefit of that later on. And so the NFT gives them an opportunity to actually reap that benefit for many generations to come. An art that is more diverse in and of its very function and form. We want to thank so much Women X Meta founder and CEO, Savannah Day Goins. Thank you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Sticking with the metaverse, thinking about actually NFTs and Thanksgiving, Ed. I don't know if you saw that Macy's is doing its first ever NFT parade balloon. Basically, right here, right now, you can go on and vote what you want this non-fungible token element of a balloon to look like. And then it will be a reality in real life come 2023, Ed. It feels extraordinary timing to be doing this but i'm kind of hopeful that these sorts of brands very old brands are still very much focused on the digital and the here and the now macy's parade is a mainstay for a lot of households <laughs> they splitting this audience i don't know which one i'm tuning into but wow yeah <laughs> meanwhile coming up we've got so much more to get ahead of our thanksgiving turkeys the case for bitcoin we're going to discuss going forward and how regulation will shape crypto markets this is Bloomberg.
Bitcoin's hash rate is at an all-time high, and that is a real indication of the security of the network. Uh, on Ethereum, we're seeing uh, the total value uh, uh, staked at 24 billion. That is an all-time high. Uh, so we think the infrastructure is working beautifully. ARK Invest's Kathy Wood justifying recent investments that she's made in Coinbase, in crypto. And she's sticking with her prediction that Bitcoin will hit a million dollars by 2030. All, of course, despite the current furor around the fallout of FTX of Sam Bankman-Fried. Joining us now to discuss all of this, Elise Killeen, founder and managing partner at Stillmark VC, who invests in Bitcoin-related companies. And to that end, Elise, how much has your world been overshadowed by what currently is unfolding with FTX, which is sort of a centralized part of the decentralized future and hope. But I'm interested whether you found an uprooting of your world too. Caroline, Ed, the biggest lesson here is that the value is in Bitcoin and self-custody and not crypto. And that's a lesson that we get in every bear market when the tide goes out. So as long-term equity investors, Stillmark is focused on the accrual and build of sustainable value and enterprise value specifically. And that hasn't changed in any fundamental way. Instead, I think what's happened here, I hope the silver lining is that fraud and dishonest narrative has been washed out, which is necessary for the ecosystem to advance as a whole. And hopefully we get back to the fundamental questions of what we're all doing here and why Bitcoin is important. Well, Elise, let's get to that fundamental question. I always keep a Bitcoin chart handy, as one does. <laughs> and, you know, go back to November 8th, November 9th. That's where the sort of Sam Bankman-Fried contagion. Look at the far right hand side of your screen. Like, that's where it happened. But between June and October of this year, we've traded sideways on Bitcoin. What is the fundamental driver of this cryptocurrency long term? What gives you the faith? What gives Kathy Wood the faith that it will reach prior highs? Of course. So first of all, Bitcoin fundament fundamentals are intact. What's historically been important for Bitcoin is adoption, of course, and the expansion of Bitcoin's utility set. And that is all progressing at an incredibly rapid clip. We saw Kathy Wood note that Bitcoin's hash rate is up, meaning Bitcoin is increasingly secure. And in addition to that, we're seeing Bitcoin holders become more sophisticated. So as an example, after the FTX collapse, the, there was a spike, um, a peak in the sale of hardware devices that can allow Bitcoin holders to hold and secure their own Bitcoin. Something notable about this bear market also from a Bitcoin markets perspective is that we see less volatility than we did in the last bear market, which is an indication of an increasing level of sophistication in market participants. And of course, also reflects higher trading volumes in contrast to the prior bear market. What I'm interested in is thinking more about the ecosystem, you say it's getting built still at a very quick clip. 
What helps or hinders right now? It's interesting that in the state of New York, Kathy Hochul, the governor today, sort of talking about a moratorium on crypto mining. And that seems to be explicitly more about a proof of work rather than proof of stake and just basically energy efficiency here. But how much does that hinder perhaps the overall focus on hash rates, on Bitcoin as a process and indeed building around it? Well, that's a very interesting point because actually that was one of SBF and FTX's pet lobbying memes, which is that proof of work is something that is inherently a malevolent activity. But of course, we know it's necessary to be able to secure a decentralized ledger like the Bitcoin ledger. And in addition to that, we know that proof of work has quickly shifted to relying on sustainable energy sources. And in fact, I think it, it offers the opportunity for other industries to take an example of what can be done um, in adopting sustainable energy sources, which of course also have the, the capitalistic benefit of being very cheap and miners compete for cheap energy. Um, and so a, a note here on one of the other benefits of fraud and dishonesty being washed out of the system to some degree is that FTX leveraged their, their novel and native token FTT mm. to boost their assets and likely as collateral to access loans. Yeah. And with that money, they did, they created sort of a really quick scaling in both their size and in their power and perceived authority, including in front of regulators. And so what they did with that was try to impugn often the virtues of the ecosystem, which is Bitcoin and proof of work. And so I hope that by seeing or finding that some of the leaders that regulators might have felt trust for, seeing them, their operations be made transparent and, and having dishonesty um, or misdirection revealed will allow regulators some time and space to ask the hard questions that lead them to better sort of discovery, understanding, and truth. Okay. Stillmark VC founder and managing partner, Elise Colleen, thank you. Coming up, Amazon's plan to help the movie theater industry. Hmm. This is Bloomberg. Going viral today is a Bloomberg scoop on Amazon's big plan for its content budget. Well, we've been making TikToks about it because Amazon will spend more than a billion dollars a year to produce movies, Ed, that will release in theaters and the largest commitment to cinema by any internet company, according to sources. Now, that will be, what, 12 to 15 movies per year. And the news sent AMC, Cinemark shares powering higher because Amazon has been somewhat of an ally to these theatre groups. While other streamers, like Netflix, have sort of struggled with the strategy to release content on their service, 
in theatres or indeed simultaneously between the two. That said, though, of course, Netflix actually releases dozens more movies a year compared to what Amazon produces. But Amazon did like to get into theatres. Remember when it first acquired movies and film festivals, eventually earning Academy Award nominations for The Big Sick and for Manchester by the Sea. It then went on more recently to buy film studio MGM. And despite declining ticket sales, filmmakers, Hollywood veterans, talent representatives are all pushing for media companies to embrace theatres. And Ed, I really think this is evidence of their commitment to MGM and yeah. the fact that people perhaps do want to consume movies in different kinds of ways. Remember when Amazon bought MGM, key names for MGM left, producer Jackie Lopez in my ear, Manchester by the Sea, but I can't really name another big hit from Amazon. I did love Rings of Power. That's a TV series, right? Yeah. Interesting to see what happens. Yeah, the fact that they're doing this two-pronged approach now. Meanwhile, of course, Ed, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. And of course, we're breaking, taking a break on TV for Thanksgiving, but follow us on social, hey? Yep, and wherever you get your podcasts, this is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle. Meet Extended Stay America Select Suites, a new place like home with spacious apartment-style suites and full kitchens. With Extended Stay America Select Suites, you get real, simple value. The longer you stay, the more you save. Learn more at ESA.com. The Triple B Podcast would like to invite you to come break bread with your brothers. If you like what you're hearing on the show, if you think we missed the mark, or if we got it all wrong, reach out to us on social media. We can be reached on Twitter at triple underscore B underscore pod or search Brothers Breaking Bread Podcast. We are the Brothers Breaking Bread on Facebook and our email is brothersbreakingbreadpod at gmail.com. Further descriptions are in the show notes. Like, follow, friend, do all that good stuff. And please never forget to break bread with your brothers. How y'all doing? We out here. Chilling on the spot. What up? I just wanted to read a brief statement that I prepared. 
denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms. <laughs> and I stand with my friends in the Jewish community. And that, Kanye, is how you buy yourself some time. <laughs> Welcome, 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 welcome to the Brothers Breaking Bread. We are here trying to buy some time, too. Word. Yeah, waiting on uh, Otter to hop on. Um, explain this to me. How do you... How you how you getting controversy for saying uh, I don't do anti-Semitism? Uh, your first name has to be Dave and your last name Chappelle yeah goes back to who's delivering the message indeed kill the messenger so um we in the building people we in the building people it's uh our pre-Thanksgiving episode Mm. Yeah, we got we got a few folks in the house. What's up with y'all? Nothing much. Getting ready to crack open the kitchen next week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Okay. Well, um, Miss Honey Buns. Apparently you're gonna be baking some honey bun cakes possibly. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about your uh, week? Um I'm, I'm going to start off strong. i got a source in my side eye. Uh-oh, get it. So today I had to go to the office, went to the office, dressed pretty nice, as I usually do. I get catered into uh, this new hire group for all of our member services staff. The woman didn't ask me my name, didn't do no check-in or nothing. She's like, uh, you, you're the new hire for member services. So I just kind of looked at her and went, so I'm sitting in this new hire class and they going through and they're going through names and stuff and I'm just sitting there because I really don't have nothing to do till 10 and so the woman's like um, what's your name sweetheart and I'm like I'm not a part of the new hire class I'm actually already employed and she's like I'm sorry I, I don't know you and I'm like yeah you don't know all 300 of us employees like I get it whatever and so I pulled her to the side. I said, why do you think I was a part of the new hire class? And why do you think I was a part of the new hire class with member services of all things? Especially when I got on this big A badge that says my name on it. I mean, we got to have it on in all parts of the office. So anywho, we had a nice discussion about that. But she she was she was generalizing the fact that I was, because the majority of our member services staff is like brown folk. And so when we finally got to talking, and she was like, well, I've just never, I've never heard of you, I've never heard of your team. And I said I was part of the system of care team. And, and she said, no, you know, we don't, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no minorities on that team. And I'm like, yeah, it is. You know, I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, and so, needless to say, like we we had to walk to the CEO's office, and she was like, "Yeah, that's that's our such and such, and she's on our uh, system of care team." So I told that lady, I said, "I'm gonna give you a nice little shout out later." Yeah. This evening. <laughs> and she was like, "I don't know what that means," and I was like, you "I don't imagine need to. you don't." You don't need to. 
So she has officially made my source of side eye list. But other than that, I'm doing all right. Um, what y'all getting into this week? That's a good question, AC. Uh, what we doing, Slim? Shit, man, what up, what up? I, um, I'm actually recovering, man. I got a little, uh, got a little quick bug or whatever. Um, so I'm recovering from that, man, and uh, put myself back together. Um, so you know me, um, rabbit holes are, are my thing. I go down rabbit holes. Um, y'all should know that by now. If y'all don't, y'all not paying attention. Um, but, um, I actually finished, uh, you know, catching up on the Wu-Tang, um, series, you know what I'm saying? Um, got through, you know, the first two seasons and whatnot, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, uh, I'm disappointed in myself as a Wu-Tang fan that it took me so long to actually fucking get back into it and finish it, but adulting in real life happens. Um, nigga, that, that show has given me reminds you I'm a fan, but it gave me a new appreciation for uh for Jizza, bro. Really? How so? It really did. Why's that? I I did not pay enough like I had all the albums, I listened to them, but I didn't pay enough attention to where he was at. Oh bro, yeah, he was my favorite. I didn't pay enough, like, I did not pay enough attention to what he was kicking. I, I don't know, I don't know to tell you, if you weren't on Liquid Swords like that, I don't, I don't no, know. No, that's what I'm saying, bro. I was, and I can tell you every song, and I know every song, but I wasn't deep diving on him like that. Mm. As I was with Ray and Ghost and Matt and everybody else. I, for whatever reason, him and Beck flew under my radar. And they shouldn't have, and I'm disappointed in myself for that. And it took me back down the rabbit hole. Nigga, I've been listening to Liquid Swords for the past three days. You wasn't woke yet. That's okay. No, I was was semi-woke, bro. That's what happened. I I was here. I was like they said, a white man can't jump. I I, I can hear Jimmy, but I wasn't listening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, you, but uh, no, I've been on that rabbit hole, man, so I've been in my Wu-Tang bag all week, bro, like just okay. revisiting every fucking thing. Okay, 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 okay. I feel like uh, a few years ago you did a challenge to me on Facebook to put up 10 albums and yeah. and, and just put a cover up, no yeah. statement needed. These are classic yeah. albums, and I feel like Liquid Swords was one of my 10. I think it was. I actually do think it was. I think it was, and, and I know why. You know what I'm saying? I know why. Like, it, 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 when you go back to it, it's definitely one of the best solo releases uh, of the of the crew. Yeah, man. Nah. Yeah. Which is ironic because Method Man's solo releases don't mark up near near close to any of some of the other releases that that he put out during that time that just i mean that rizzo dropped during that time yeah method man just keeping him focused for an entire album (laughs) but you you let that nigga get up on 16 and it's and it's 
problem, you know. Yeah, I think that was his camp, though. That's that's what breaking down the kind of the, the dichotomy of the show, like Deck, Meth, you God, that crew, they was good for sixteen. Meth was just so, um, um, he gravitated towards everybody. He was just that. He's charismatic. That's the word I'm looking for. He was so charismatic, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, that he just popped out. You know, him and Dirty was so charismatic, they just popped out. But shit, Brizza, Jizza, and fucking Ghost and Ray was the core. Man, that's a bold statement, bro. I'm the core of the group. If you go back into nigga, you know I go down rabbit holes. If you go back into all these albums, the core of Dude, the woo of those four, bro. Meth out the core. Ooh. I'm not saying he's not the Ooh. core. He's what cat. He's he's the Ooh. magnet that catapulted them. But the core, the core, the core of those four, bro. I don't know, bro. He had his own song that was classic on the first on the on the Wu Tang on the Thirty Six Chambers album. Yeah, M E T H O D. Man, the only dude with a solo song. Fuck, he's charismatic as fuck. Like any nobody else could have did that at that time. Exactly. Exactly. How you not put him in the core? Come on, man. Charisma, charisma's one thing, but I don't I don't know that he was sharper than them. I don't know that he was sharper than Jizzle. I don't know that he was sharper than Jizzle Ray and Ghost. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, know, I can't, I know think, I can't think of many songs in which Method Man got outshined on a collaborative effort. Outshined how? Like, yo, 16 versus my 16. Like, who got the best verse? I can't remember a single song where I was like, ooh, Meth got got. Revisit that, man. Go revisit your Wu Tang. I know there's, I know it's out there, but I can think of several, several songs where Mess came through shining like, you know what I'm saying, like a lighthouse, bro. I, I don't know what to tell you. Give, give me, your, give me, your, give me a song. So you talking off uh, Liquid Swords, the song? Um, what shadow boxing? Shadow boxing. God, bro, he murdered. That. That's the why. That's the reason I picked up the album. Because that's Shadow the reason Boxing. everybody picked up the album. That's my point. That's the reason everybody picked up the album. Exactly. Yeah, but if you go back into those lyrics in that song, he killed it. I, bro, you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. No. Nigga, I listened to Shadow Boxing five times today. I understand all that. I listened. To, <laughs> I listened to it for the last. Three decades. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're I, not going to you know convince me to just beat Method Man on Shadowboxing. I'm sorry, bro. I'm, man, delivery versus penmanship on the lyrics. If you write I'm both done, of those things down, down bro. Like, you're not, you not going to be able to do that. You're not going to do that. That's Jizz not going to happen, sir. You're not going to do that. Blaspheme. Stone him. Man, we me and Joe do this shit all day, man. Tell me what's up with you, bro. Um, what is going on with me? Uh, Thanksgiving break just started. 
babies are coming to town on Monday. They are in Puerto Rico for a destination wedding. Right on. Right so on. they are getting to experience that culture. Maybe they come back with some pina coladas. Um, I saw their cousin was drinking because I guess the uh, the legal drinking age down there is eighteen. Mm. So mine's still fifteen and uh, nine, so they probably ain't getting nothing. Maybe a virgin daiquiri or something like that. But um, what else is going on? What else is going on? I know it's something. I got a, I don't know, I got a source of my side eye, but I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Pull it out. Come on. Yeah, pull it out. My mother's a Republican, and she has been on these Republican airways listening to bullshit, 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 bullshit. <laughs> And so I stopped by, I think it was yesterday, just to say hello to my parents, you know, on the way home. And uh, she she started a conversation. What she likes to do is is what AC likes to say. She likes to throw rocks and in, in hide her hands. She'll want to start a conversation about politics and then go in the other room and don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> So then, then I'll get a fucking uh, few paragraphs on uh, Facebook or Messenger about it. And so what she said is that Frederick Douglass thought that the Constitution was anti-slavery. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay. She be listening to Focus on the Family and like <laughs> she used to back in the day she used to listen to Rush Limbaugh. She be on that bullshit, bro. <laughs> it's not the first time though you said mom's in pool day. You said she pulled one out at Nieces one time and you was like, Yeah, it'd be like, Well chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this had I feel like this is related to that one. Um it was on okay, so so she was further on the idea. She's trying to hand me a video, and it was showing me, like, the first Republicans who were black in the House and Senate, and I know that, okay? Right. And she was trying to tell me, this is a video telling me the real, and I said, who's not telling you the real? She was like the 1619 Project, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like where the fuck did they lie? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, she heard that they lied from, you know what I'm saying, whoever the fuck she listened to on the radio. And so that led to a little argument. Uh, and so I really want to I really want to stop the show right now and, and fucking argue with her asshole on Messenger. <laughs> 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 That's really what I want to do right now. <laughs> She over here telling me that the Constitution was not anti-slavery, was was anti-slavery. And I was like, so I went out and pulled the fucking three clauses, the three-fifths clause, the Fugitive right. Slave, not Fugitive, yeah, the Fugitive Slave Act, and the, um, and the, uh, transatlantic slave trade clause. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And point out that, you know, yo, this shit's baked into the fucking crust. Right. <laughs> well, she like, right. they, they changed it. Yeah, they changed this shit fucking 70 years later. <laughs> I don't that's, know. That, but that was, that was her, I guess that's her whole, because isn't she on the, I, I don't remember, is she on the other side of the CRT conversation? That sixteen nineteen comment tells me she was. Yeah, so I, I thought you said she was kind of on the other side of the CRT or, uh, conversation. So uh, she's on. She listens to all that bullshit. All that bullshit comes into her head. She wasn't on that shit till they was on that shit. Obviously, right. But now she's trying to get me. So you gonna tell your blacks? It, it just pisses me off, bro. Because it's like. You listen to some white dude on the radio before you listen to your black son who studies your shit every goddamn day. I had just read the Constitution earlier that day because that's the assignment the kids are working on in class now. (laughs) (laughs) I had just read the Three-Fifths Clause earlier that day, and she was telling me that the Constitution, as it was written... In the time of Frederick Douglass, was not uh, pro slavery, and I was like, "Get the fuck!" Oh. <laughs> so I get it, bro. That led to an animated com- conversation, and then uh, I had my older sister kind of butt in, and I called her a tourist. So. <laughs> Darts. Uh-huh. <laughs> darts for everybody, huh? Darts. darts? He had darts for everybody. Bow and arrows. Everybody can get it. Everybody can get it. So, I don't know, man. I might have some real problems. I I, I don't know if it's anger. Is, is that an anger management issue, or is that like a real attack? Am I responding to like a real attack? I don't know. Can we I mean, do, do do we do we do we want to go there? I yeah, mean, let's go where, there. Where where does it where do you feel? We're this here. Feeling? We yeah. mean we want to go there. We're here. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let me sit with you in this. Let me put my. We're here. Yes. So where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your head or do you feel it in your body? Give me that it. one. I feel it everywhere. I feel it in every fiber of my being. Like I I really want to stop fucking podcasting right now and go back. <laughs> Messenger, I really do. So, do you do you want to be right or do you want to teach a lesson? I I feel like okay. Here's we're my going thing. back to that point. I am my mother's child. Exactly. So she has this thing where she wants to. I learned my passion for politics from my parents, specifically oh, my mother. Finish, no, you see, you, you divert it because you would have had to take ownership from what she does and what you do because it's one and the same. But keep going. I don't even know what you just corrected me for. I don't know how I it's changed. I, I, didn't, I didn't correct you. I wanted you to keep going on that original thought. That I'm going. I got to back up to, to so you can understand the original thought. Now I've forgotten the original thought because you interrupted <laughs> 
<laughs> We're not gonna have an interruption conversation because it's just you just, just me and you right here. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yes. Are we ready? Yes. So I'm saying to you, uh, I have, I get it from her. I, I am, I am my mother's child, except I don't see things the way she sees things, and uh, for me, she will try to, you know, saying bring up a conversation. Mm-hmm. She is a white woman, and she she lives with nothing but black people, and she will tell us that, you know, what we're what we the way we think about race is wrong. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? So we look at the Constitution, and I'm supposed to read the Constitution and not read the parts that are obviously about slavery, even though it doesn't say slavery. But it's obviously about slavery, um, and I'm supposed to come to the conclusion that white people were not wrong for the way they wrote the Constitution at the Constitutional Convention. And I teach this shit daily. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell me I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, you're telling me the whole thing that I've devoted my life to, which is knowing the government... And knowing black history is upside down, and I just fucking spaz. I don't know. But you really think it's that, though? What else could it be? Go back to the it. What is the it? You said it earlier. You said, I get it from my mother. You gave me examples of what that it is, but what is the, the it? The same thing like, we talked like, about last week. We, we need to get our point across. But are you trying to educate or are you trying to be right? Both. I think it's both. I was about to jump in and say I think it's a point when what I know about Joe is when that itch starts itching, he gotta scratch it. Whatever it is, that urge. Like he's gotta scratch that itch and it's gotta come out and he gotta get it off his chest. Whatever Mm -hmm. it is. He's probably no texting right is. now. You in that so, phone right now? He just he he, he drafted a message. He's nah, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing my palms though. <laughs> my palms are sweating. I'm rubbing them off on my jeans here. <laughs> when, it's, when it's there, when it's on top of mind, it's got to come out. I do know that part, like for sure. Like no, so if that's the it that you get from her, that might be the it. Um, that when it's there, it's got to come out, and it don't matter who the fuck's there. It don't matter what the fuck you think about it. <laughs> You're going to have to hear my side of this and understand my side of this, period, no matter what the subject matter is. But it don't, it, you think it has to do with understanding, or is it changing? I'm sorry. When we are in a, a society where facts don't fucking matter, I don't accept that. So I'm like, no, we not having fucking fact-free arguments. We're not doing that. We're going to do our shit based on logic. Right. (laughs) And so what I'm saying to you is when I'm presented with something that's fucking fact-free, I'm not tolerating it. I don't know. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm saying that that is just a symptom of something deeper and larger than a political standpoint. That's what I'm saying. Well, tell me On what both it is. ends. Tell me what it is. 
I mean, now, if we would, we would have to go back to family history and do some do some good deep dives. I just, diving, I just told but... you what it is. She out here on Facebook, wilding the fuck out, embarrassing the fuck out of the family, uh, putting up Republican shit that is highly insensitive. Insensitive to black people. Whom, black people. What Which is the entirety of her family. But that is not the entirety of her. Exactly. So what does that go back to? So that is a problem because she's not goddamn paying attention. I, we recognize that it's a problem, but you don't understand the seat that she sits in. You she, do, but she's you not don't. Under, the, the, what's the seat I'm sitting in? She's not understanding the seat that we sit in. And you want her to be empathetic, which sounds like she she's like needs to goddamn be empathetic because she's wrong. You're you're challenging her belief. I'm not saying that she's right. I'm saying that at the end of the she day, she believe that there is no slavery baked into the Constitution. Shut no stop. She's wrong. <laughs> she's wrong. I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. She's wrong. Joe, we agree. Yes. When you're looking at factual shit, facts. that is, that's, yes. But what I'm saying is you facts want me to over feelings. From a, facts over feelings. But you don't, okay. So if you're looking at facts over feelings, then, then the person that you're referring to is ignorant and lacks knowledge. But I don't think it's that. I think it's something deeper. But you're looking at it from a very factual point of view, and I'm looking at it from... A system of this is a person of privilege who doesn't realize that their beliefs privilege. are. Hold on, now. hold up, hold up, hold up, <laughs> hold up. What's the part? What? Hold up. What? Can't just call my mom privileged on the show. Come, come on now, Joe. Come on, I can, I can I say, can, what, I, can, I can say what I need to say. Hold up, I can say it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Relax. Okay. <laughs> right, hey, we are we are approaching our seventy exit thirty eight. <laughs> we. <laughs> I'll ease up. I'll ease up. I'll, please I'll make sure your seatbelts are on. Exactly. Don't take the same exit that nigga took when Andy Reid's son was on it. Uh oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> let's, let's let's divert our attention. I'll ease up. I'll ease up. My apologies. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Anyway, so that's uh that's source of my side. Uh, I'm gonna get off here and and start fucking texting in in a while. But (laughs) anyway, uh, speaking of angry texts, I'm sure uh, Nancy Pelosi was firing some off when they started coming for her dad. And uh, she's basically decided to step aside. As we know, Republican leadership uh, will be taking over in the House. Um, We did a little bit of the politics last week, but I think some things were still um, waiting to be sorted out. We know that the uh, Democrats will retain the Senate, regardless of what happens on December 6th with the Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock runoff. Um, that'll just kind of determine the size of the Democratic leadership in the Senate. But the House has been taken over by Republicans. And so Kevin McCarthy will take over as the Speaker of the House. 
Um, he has a narrow majority and has a lot to deal with with the uh, Freedom Caucus, the the Trump backers, the election deniers. But Nancy Pelosi has decided that she is no longer going to be in the Democratic <laughs> leadership. So she's not going to be the uh, minority leader. And she's going to allow somebody to take over. What do you guys got uh, any thoughts on that? Pardon the Freudian slip, because you said dad, and I think you meant husband, right? I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, did you say dad earlier, and you really meant husband? You said they were coming for her dad? We'll check the tape. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you may want to edit that Freudian slip out. You might call him daddy at night. Daddy. True. <laughs> I always carry in the darts. <laughs> Step the one. I feel like that uh, didn't address the question, though. <laughs> we, no, it did not. What do we? Don't answer for Kim with the Freudian slip. He did say dad, but that's probably why. Okay. Okay. To her, Wiggly, all that stuff. So. But to answer your question, I think she's older than needed to leave anyway. Mm. So, and then I heard, I saw something today that was talking about. Oh, dude, what's his name? Let's start with H. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries. Um, so I feel like in the article they were like, she wants to leave space for the young people. Motherfucker, 52. Is that young? 52 is young for Congress. To bear to her, but for her? <laughs> yeah. yeah so, I, think, I, think. I mean, I'm happy that she's able to leave on her terms, kind of, but not really. You know, uh, yeah. I just read... I just saw something that she came into Congress at age 47. Yeah. So 52 is like right beyond that to, to move into leadership, you know? Yeah. So, so who, who, who that's, that's who's going to replace her. That is the front runner. I do. And yeah. Is yeah. that a good thing? I don't know much about him. Oh, I like him. I like him a lot. Hakeem Jeffries, uh, speaks truth to power. On a regular okay. basis, yeah. Huh? You'd be the first black person. Definitely, yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was um when you lived in New York, he didn't represent you. Uh, I don't recall that name, but he might have been there. I really didn't pay much attention to a lot of shit when I was there. <laughs> yeah, I, got you, yeah. I was like the worst uh, civic person in New York City. Yeah. I did vote for like local local stuff, but not like okay. Senate and all that. Yeah, I imagine uh, there's a whole bunch of congressional districts stacked on top of each other in the NYC. Mm -hmm. um, he represents a part of um, Queens and Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't have been able to vote for him. Okay. I was in, uh, my, my, my mailing address was in Lower Manhattan. Okay. Okay. Lower Manhattan. Oh, shit. You were the post office box, bro. <laughs> Well, you, you lived over by, uh, you lived in the Bronx, didn't you? I lived in Harlem for a year, and then I moved up into the Bronx for the last six years. Yeah. Yeah. Right around the Yankee Stadium. Oh, oh my gosh. I was like, right in front of the Yankee Stadium. What did you say, AC? I said, that's why you got those darts. You had to have them living in the Bronx. Kind of, yeah. But no, I think he's, he seems like a good guy from what, I mean, I only literally just read about him yesterday, just a little bit, not even that much, just oh, in really? the little article that they talked about him. And he seems, 
he seems like he'll be good for the people and good for the Senate and good for I don't know about I don't know about how he works on like together with the other side or like how he convinces people or anything like that, but because he has experience in government that I think will be good for him in that role. If my computer was running a little bit smoother, I'd definitely pull something up from him. He's a uh, very convincing, um, very convicted when he speaks. Um, I can't tell you how well he works and how, how nice he plays with others. I do believe, I do believe he was on the uh, House Managers Committee uh, in the second impeachment. City. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, yeah. What was it for the impeachment? Is that what it was? I think he was. I think he's one of the House Managers in the second impeachment. Okay. Yeah, I think it might be that. I think I was talking to my sister about that yesterday. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so he seems like I think the big thing though is that he's respected by other Democrats that are going to be there, and I think that's a big thing, mm-hmm. and that I think will lead to people on the other side, because any other parties, Republicans and anybody else, to. Uh, also try to listen to him or at least respect what he has to say. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's time for some new blood. I know that Nancy Pelosi was somebody that the right could always lean on to kind of rally the base, you know. And maybe time to move on from her and just get some new blood in and, you know, I guess let them get mad over Hakeem Jeffries the same way they got mad over Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen too that's what's going to happen now we just need to make sure that he gets uh, protection on any family members so they don't cause some crazy person doesn't come and try to knock them in the head with the with the hammer right <laughs> so he didn't get called daddy oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway so uh, again we're looking at Kevin McCarthy taking over the House as the Speaker and Hakeem Jeffries likely being his opponents on the Democratic side as the minority leader. Is, 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 it, is, it, is he going to be the minority leader because he a minority? <laughs> no. Say again, what do you say? Is he going to be the House minority leader just because he's a minority? He's going to be the House Minority Majority Leader. No. Oh. have a new title. Maybe in two years. Maybe in two years. Okay. So we shall see. We shall see what happens in that regard. Um, speaking about the election, um, we got a little information here from uh, Charlemagne. And Adia Rodriguez talking about the Latin vote. So let's take a look at that. Those items. Because that's always the big surprise, right? Charlemagne. Like, uh, <laughs> Charlemagne, so do I. <laughs> Go ahead. But I mean, the Latino vote was split, right? With 43% voting for Republican Brian Kemp. So why does the Latino vote differ so much from the black vote? Because we got our own white people. Oh. And people don't understand that, that okay. we have all, and the assimilation possibility for Latinx, Latina, Latin people is higher. People can come from other parts of Latin America, marry white, as like they're told to do, 
assimilate and assume a white identity that mm. black people cannot escape from. Mm. So they will continue to vote in that way because to them, that's, that's upward mobility. Mm. And, uh, and unfortunately for us, success means being patted on the back. Not all of us, because y'all gonna go crazy on Twitter. I ain't got a Twitter, so it's okay. <laughs> but they're, they, they get the pat on the back from white people and they feel like that's what being American is. Damn. And that colorism is real in our community. It is real. Jamal, what do you think? Yeah, I think Republicans do a better job of telling the story of upward mobility. And sometimes Democrats, particularly historically, we've been poverty pimping our communities. Yes. So there are certain aspects, obviously, the issues I talked about. We got to make sure people have enough to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, you know, live a quality of life that's at a high level. But we got to tell a better story of upward mobility. And the same way we don't engage uh, black people properly, we don't engage the Latino community properly as well. And again, the Latino community is not a monolith. So the more you engage, the more you listen, the more you learn, the more you know how to reach them, meet their needs, and pull them into the process. So Republicans have been outworking us in that area for the last couple of cycles. You know, it's, it's what do we say? I mean, valid points all across the board. Um, I like the little conversation about assimilation. I think that's always, you know, something that's very, I'm just curious about it because assimilation is key. I mean, you kind of have to assimilate to succeed. And I don't know if, um, there was a good point in there about, you know, how they tend to marry, procreate, and things like that. Lighter children, so forth and so on, easier to assimilate. So, I don't know, I thought it was some valid points. Um, I did like the little portion about how the Republican Party talks about upward mobility. I never really looked at it like that, but that is something that they sell quite, quite heavy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um... I had a conversation with Ruben, uh, our lawyer friend this week, um, showed him that clip and, uh, you know, we had had conversation with Frank, uh, who's from Nicaragua, who was the, uh, co-host of the old show, the Nicaraguan podcast. And I mean, that's a very real thing that Latinos, sometimes associate themselves as white and they're not wrong because I'm studying in my Latin American history class right now with my students that there was a lot of colorism in the foundation of a lot of those Latin American countries and the people who came over from Europe were the ones on top of uh, society the indigenous people and the black folks that were brought over uh, were on the bottom of society and that was that was the caste system you know um, and broke it down like so deeply, like like how many levels of black do you have in you? How many levels of Native American do you have in you? How many levels of white do you have in you? Like the stratification. I remember one class I took at Mizzou it was like the the amount of labels that they had for people was inordinate. It was just like it was like white and just like so many different names and different titles that you would have based on how much Diesel, what you had in your mulatto, all that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. The sickness runs deep. Sickness runs deep. Is there is there any way to get a 
get them off of Republicans and get them over to Democrat? I don't see how if that's what they're already aiming for. Um, I'm, I'm interested more in that upward mobility conversation, though, um, that, uh, um, that, that was brought up, you know, how their community sees that as their upward mobility versus what we see as our upward mobility and how that's being, you know, preached um, by the Republicans. Well, I don't know that Democrats talk about upward mobility. I think Democrats uh, try to hold the floor, hold the floor down. They don't, they don't want you to uh, go into the subfloor, the basement. They want to make sure that the government is there to provide a safety net. But they don't necessarily talk about becoming a millionaire. They say if you if you get to this certain level, you're gonna get taxed harder. Right. And that's why a lot of people go to the Republicans because Republicans are seen as the party for the wealthy people. So if you even if you just like broke as shit but wish you were rich, it's like, well, I'm gonna be with I'm gonna associate with the rich people. I'm gonna associate with the party that's supposed to be helping the rich people. And even though I make like twenty thousand dollars a year i'm in a protest against rich people getting raised taxes because that's my party and i want to one day be that rich too and don't want to have those taxes what they say association brings about assimilation mm. yeah they, they do protect they do believe in protecting what they have you know what i'm saying and it's evident um that they are willing to play the long game and strategize a way to get what they want versus, you know, just trying to get what you want right now. Because um, these motherfuckers have waited out the situation that they are in right now, you know, in the Senate, and, <laughs> and putting motherfuckers like, again, Herschel Walker in play to get that done. So um, it's evident that they're willing to play the long game to protect what they have. Mm-hmm. Speaking of association, bringing about assimilation, uh, what about Kerry Lake? <laughs> y'all saw the y'all saw that Facebook post about Kerry Lake, right? <laughs> that black woman. So Kerry Lake uh, was a election denier running for governor in Arizona. Um, she was, you know, mimicked a lot for having home videos that were very well lit. She had a background in um, media. I think she was on the, you know, the news out in Arizona. And so very attractive woman, very uh, media savvy, um, was able to make a good run at, at the uh, the governor's chair in Arizona because of that. But, um, you know, ultimately fell short because once again, she was backed by Donald Trump. And uh, a lot of people said that once the election's over, we can talk about it now. It looks like she had black woman. I don't know. <laughs> what do y'all think? I don't know. I, I, I'm not able to share my screen. I'm sure you guys can pull up pictures of yourselves. Uh, what do you guys think about Carrie Lake? Is, is she black? She looks like she got something in her, whether it's black or some type of indigenous something, but she's got some kind of brownness, some kind of melanated, some kind of ethnicity up inside of her. Cause, yeah, yeah, bro, she looks like, she looks like auntie, not aunt. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like auntie. 
I so, like that. Somebody said uh, bargain brand Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I I say beautiful woman with an ugly soul. I don't know. Mm-hmm. She was out there spewing some uh, hateful nonsense, and still is not conceded that Arizona race, even though everybody else has moved on. So. Is she um, one of the people that's uh, protesting or fighting against it, or what's the like? What's the word they use? Recount or some shit? Um. I mean, I think she she's on that. Fraud, that's where they use, like, voter fraud or something that made her not win. Well, I'll tell you what. They did the cold open for uh, Saturday Night Live, and they had somebody persuading her. And they were doing on uh, Fox and Friends, like, live updates, and, and it was like, okay, it sounds like you're uh, behind the polls. Well, that's what I'm talking about. They, they'd be still in elections, and, and the, the, the whole system is wrong. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We got an update. Sounds like you're up in the polls now. And that's what I've always said, that the uh, American people have spoken. (laughs) Yeah. And it kept going back and forth, and she kept flipping sides based on however it went. Um, I watched a video from uh, Barack Obama on on Trevor Noah this week, and, you know, he he brought the fact that, you know, these election deniers never deny their own elections when they win. That's a fact. That's a fact. So I don't. I don't know. It's uh, he he said something that I think is very true. Uh, I think about fifteen years ago, we disagreed with things, but we all um, played by the same rules. We understood the, the the rules of the game. I think what's happened in recent years is, especially in the Trump administration, is that Republicans have started to argue what the fuck the rules are. You know? Uh, um, I I wish we could have gotten to it. I know it's a 15, 20-minute monologue, but Dave Chappelle in that monologue says exactly that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he says exactly uh, what Trump was and what Trump did. Um, You know, basically... He was, I can, I can, to sum it up, he said, Trump, we all look at this big ass house and see all these politicians and all these people in the house, uh, and like, what's the dirty motherfuckers doing in that house, you know, getting away with it? And Trump basically came out the house, told you motherfuckers what we was doing, mm-hmm. then went back in the house and just started playing the game, like, okay, fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, Basically, that's what happened. So that just kind of let hell's gate open for you. He said, everything you think we do, <laughs> we're doing it, is exactly what the fuck we're doing. And he kept on doing it. And they kept on doing it. Yeah. And, and nobody batted a fucking eyelash. And actually gave that mother, motherfucker more resources to do even more of the shit yeah. that he was doing in there, or that they were doing in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's literally said exactly that in his monologue. Well, Trump on day one of his presidency went to war on facts. Yeah, absolutely. Day one, he went to war on facts. Facts are no longer facts. And uh, he went out there and said, I had a bigger crowd than Obama did on on inauguration. Nigga, we can see the fucking picture, bro. (laughs) No, that's Photoshop. That's fake news. Yeah. 
They want you to believe that mine wasn't as big as Obama's when it really was. When he just that's what I'm saying. He's just sitting there lying to your face and motherfuckers like, Yeah, that might be true. They photoshopped it to make him look bad. And that's really that's that's what got my mother telling me that Frederick Douglass was okay with the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate it here, bro. Oh. Hey, and it's not going to get any better now that Elon Musk, all you have to do is pay $8 to be verified on Twitter. Not a, the, the blue check mark. That's just wild as fuck, bro. Uh, Somebody, somebody got their blue check mark and it changed their profile to be Chiquita Bananas and said, We have taken over Brazil. Yeah, they're doing all kinds of crazy. Somebody, somebody did it and posted it and changed it to LeBron James and like took his picture, took everything, and just put check instead of an S, put a Z. For the real LeBron James said LeBron James just has announced he's going back to Cleveland to retire and they're going to draft his son. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron James. I don't know, brother. It's going to be the wild, wild west on Twitter, bro. Yeah, and it, it sounds like this motherfucker about to collapse. Probably. I don't know. He's just going to reinvent it up. They've lost so many workers, and I feel like more people are going to quit. And then they were saying the people that quit are the ones who, like, help with troubleshooting and with any, like, the World Cup is about to start, and they're like, yeah, it's usually, like, really heavy traffic at this time, and nobody's here to help solve and fix any bugs that are going to pop up. Yeah. So people are expecting Twitter to crash this weekend or whenever the World Cup's starting. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild as fuck. Uh who's going to reinvent it at some Fuck it, Elon Musk. Elon Musk not going to invent, reinvent shit. He basically hasn't done shit himself. Like, he's had successful businesses, but it's never been anything that he's got to start or, like, run like he's doing with Twitter. Like, he doesn't know shit, and he needs, somebody needs to get him to stop. I don't know why they sold it to him in the first place. But guess what? He can be president. He doesn't get any credit for Tesla or SpaceX. I, I feel like I heard one of those. He, I think I read an article that he didn't start some of those things, though. Like, he's got other people who do the, like, behind-the-scenes shit, and he's the money man. Well, um, I think there's a talent in that, too. I think that's a, that's a skill to be able to... Uh, know what talent. to invest in yeah you know but, but not only know what, what to, to invest in, in is different than trying to run a company into the ground well was tesla not successful what do you say? was tesla not successful no i'm not no i'm saying he's running he's that was successful so he knows where to invest money and how to get people to do that and his hardcore aspect with that is a little bit different also because people who join tesla are very focused on, on more than likely not only I'm making money but like saving the earth and I'm going to work for this company. I, yeah, I work long hours because I'm so invested in this. Whereas Twitter people may not be that hardcore, which is what he said he wants people to be in his email this week. Um, and if you're not, you need to quit by Thursday. But 
I think it's just a different atmosphere, and he wasn't ready for the pushback that he would get in this type of atmosphere that is not like companies that he's worked in before. Yeah, SpaceX probably has a mission. Uh, We're trying to get the average person up into space, so maybe that Mm -hmm. has a a different kind of work ethic than we allow niggas to talk shit on the internet to each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just know uh, it sounds like it's coming to an end. For sure. I'll see about it. Hey, uh, Otto, we didn't get a check in from you. You wanna uh, you wanna do that real quick? Um. Yeah, I'm uh, living life, trying one day by day. Got to see the Twins game today, so that was cool. Um, they won very, very easily. It was it was quite ridiculous. Um, how so bad you, say, you say the twins? You're talking about uh Rogers twins. Rogers twins, yeah. Yeah. So that was cool to see them play. Um, other than that, yeah, just trying to live each day and be better each day and grow and grow in many ways. Trying to just trying to put on weight since this fucking competition is very difficult, and so I'm trying to try some different things with that and doing my personal training stuff and just living life. That's it. You're trying to put on weight. Were you trying to build muscle or Um I don't you know what? I was actually I've been thinking about this a lot and I think I'm I'm not sure if I want to do the competitions again because when I did the competitions from when I started working out to when I was doing the competitions I lost way too much weight, like fifty something pounds and I'm a tiny person already mm-hmm. and I'm still having trouble putting that weight back on and I want to put it back on and I miss like having curves and like <laughs> not feeling different things. Like today I was standing in the mirror and I had a shirt on, um, and then my forearm, like the back side of my forearm, I had my arm up and I could like see my veins in my arm, like mm-hmm. through my shirt. I'm like, this is fucked up. What is this life? I you don't said, like through this. the shirt. Through <laughs> my shirt, bro. Like my veins are popping. Like I don't even understand. I thought like I had a. It was after I got back from the football game, and I was like, do I have another layer under this shirt? Like is this shirt scrunched up in there? No, that was my vein. So, I'm trying to put on weight. I've been adding so much fat to all my foods that I've eaten. Like eating more than I'm trying to eat. Usually, I mean, drinking more alcohol than I usually drink. I'm like, it's, I just want weight on my body. Wow. I haven't worked out in months, but I'm not even working out. So I've lost all the muscle that I had. So I think I'm going to start working out again, but also eating more mm-hmm. so that I'm not burning more calories than I'm taking in. Yeah, the struggle is real. The struggle well, is real. Hey, Ida, we're on this journey together. So whenever you start back working out, man, she's 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 putting it up. Um, whatever I drop, I'm <laughs> Yeah, and AC, I'm still I'm gonna work. With, I'm gonna get it with you this weekend. We can try to figure out some stuff for you too. I, I want to help yeah, you we're out. We're gonna get some, we're gonna get our macro game going. Yeah, seriously, the the, the struggle is real, and it's also like I don't want to spend a lot of money on food. So that's the other issue. I need to eat a lot, but I don't want to spend a lot. So I gotta figure out how to make this work. Expensive. <laughs> Super expensive. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's all good. I feel like uh, gaining weight should be easy as fuck. I feel like uh, <laughs> McDonald's is designed for that shit. We, we gaining weight should be easy, but 
I mean, I've also been dealing with a lot of stress in my life, and I think that was, sorry, my daughter, I don't know, even know what's happening. Quiet. Um, so there's been a lot of stress too. in my life, and I think that made me not be able to lose a lot of weight, I mean, to be able to gain weight. So I was just like, staying stagnant or actually losing weight during that time. So now I'm trying to get back on it. So we'll see how this works. That's crazy. Well, it should be easy. But I also, I think another thing is like my body has, it's been like a year and a half now that I, I was doing all this stuff. So my body, I think, has adjusted to that, has acclimated to where it was. Mm. And maybe it thinks that's homeostasis, but I need to break it out of that shit because that's not any home for me. <laughs> ain't where you want to so, be, huh? No, not at all. Mm. Not at all. Well, good luck to you. I hope uh, all that works out well. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Uh, Let's keep moving. Um, You guys, again, are not able to see this, but a Georgia sheriff has ordered an internal investigation to begin immediately after five deputies brutally beat Jarrett Hobbs inside a jail cell. I'm going to go ahead and let the audio play. Okay, they came into the cell. He's on suicide watch. They jump him. They beat him up. He's providing no resistance. This is a gang-related attack, obviously. Look at the brutality here. Other inmates literally come to save this man. No other news agency has this story yet. We're the first to bring this to you. And I have significant background as to what happened to this man. Very sad. It continues. And what happened afterwards is that literally they did nothing to help him. So, um, did everybody get a chance to watch that video? Yeah, I did. Uh, I saw it. What are your thoughts? I was I was I was confused because without the sound, the first thing I said it looked like a looked like somebody was jumping him into a game. Like looks like somebody was literally it was a it was a jump in. Um, I, I I don't have no words for that type of shit, man. Like. We already said it before, how many times, did, you know, okay, this one was caught on film, this one was shown, but how many other young men have they fucking did that to? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many other young men in that prison have they just beat the shit out of? For whatever reason, it ain't a reason for five white men to go in a cell that's smaller than my bathroom and beat the shit out of one young black kid. Well, it was four white men and a brother. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> don't let but that. But that, that nigga was throwing rocks and hiding his hands. I saw him too. I, I don't. I was looking. I don't think he got one off. I think he looked like he was he was searching for his opportunity, but I don't think he fired off. He, he slipped one in. I think at the end it was like a little a little slide, a little slick piece. Mm. He slid one in. Like I'm I'm with the team. I'm with y'all. Yeah. I'm with y'all. Yeah. I'm throw one in too. But 
Yeah, man, that shit is disappointing, but not surprising. Kim, you you uh you found some information on Jerry Hobbs, correct? Yeah. So some of the information that I was able to identify was he was originally picked up for, and again, me sharing this information does not warrant what happened to him. I'm just giving y'all a little bit of background history. He was um, arrested for speeding, driving with a suspended license, revoked license, and, and possession of a controlled substance, but it doesn't state if he was under the influence of a substance when he was detained. But allegedly, he was supposedly kicking the door and cussing is what led to the supposed altercation. But, and again, I didn't watch the video because I'm mindful of, you know, some of the stuff I take in. I'm just sensitive to shit. Um, there's nothing that he could have said or done that, I mean, I'm just reading. They said that dreadlocks was pulled out of this man's head, like a brutal beating. Brutal beating. Yeah, I don't. I can't see any dreadlocks being pulled out, but it's possible. Um, actually, I think somebody just walked in in the cell and might have pulled something out. It looked like might have been dreads there. But um, I mean, they were punching him in the face like repeatedly, and had his arms tied down while they did it. So yeah, because he was on suicide watch at the time of the at the time of the incident. Well, suicide watch. <laughs> well, oh, you like know, if you want to go to the great beyond, we'll help you out with that. <laughs> right. It looks like they want to give him a first class ticket. Yeah, it's just wild as fuck. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to check that out. No, I haven't seen that. Um, I don't know if I want to, but yeah, that sounds crazy. Especially if it just looks like a gang initiation. They were really beating his ass like that? They were getting it. Oh, uh, yeah. He was getting whooped. So, uh, you may not have seen that one, but I'm pretty sure you did see this one. Um, you brought to us uh, a teacher that had enough and hit a student in class. You want to talk about that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel like this, we don't have a, very, it doesn't start from where the altercation starts, but the video starts and this little boy, he's not that little, but he's kind of little, um, probably like a freshman or sophomore or something is like telling the teacher basically i think it sounded like he was like what's up like what's up say it again say it again and the teacher suddenly swings on the boy <laughs> <laughs> and then this is like at the front of the class behind like the teacher desk looks almost like a science room or something i don't know it's like they got a, a desk in the front and all the kids are sitting back there swings on the kid swing kid is like shocked teacher swings on motherfucker again they, like, start moving around the whole rest of the room. Teacher is still steady, swinging on this kid, has something in his hand. I'm not sure if it's an eraser or a cell phone or something, but starts beating the kid in the head and trying to swing on him with this item in his hand. Other kids try to, try to, try to stop him. Some kid in the room has a safety guard vest on and tries to pull him back while she's wearing her safety vest. All of a sudden, some kids go into the hall, and some adults come back in, and all the teacher was still swinging on the kid. 
some adults come in the room and the teacher's all of a sudden like, who hit me? Who hit me? What happened? What happened? Like he's trying to play it off and it's like, bruh, you know, every kid in this room has their cell phone out and has you recorded and shows that you were steady swinging on old boy and he did, I don't even know if that boy got a lick on that teacher at all. And I have to, I will have to say that a small part of me was like, I feel like every teacher has probably had a kid somewhere, whether it was yours or not, where you might have just envisioned doing this. And I'm not saying I would ever put my hand on a kid, but you imagine sometimes. A kid stood up on me last week. Oh, no. What happened? Oh, he's, um, you know, he's got an IEP. Mm-hmm. Probably needs to be self-contained. And uh, he he called himself getting disrespectful to me because I mean, he, he just mumbles little bullshit under his breath as he walks down the hallway, cussing people out under his breath. And so I was coming around. I was asking, you know, just checking to see if he was doing his work. Um, he was like, oh, God, I'm not doing what you asked me to do. Just out of the out of blue, you know, nothing disrespectful to begin oh, with. Oh, God. Just as I ain't doing He said, oh, my dead grandpa, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. <laughs> and so I had sat down yeah. next to him just to kind of get on his level to talk to him. And I said, well, on my dead grandpa, I don't really care what your dead grandpa has to say about the subject. <laughs> 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 he stood up like he wanted to fight. So I stood up and I'm about a foot taller than dude. <laughs> he got he got pretty quiet pretty quick. <laughs> and so I said, I said, hey man, you, you free to go, bro. <laughs> so he starts to walk out the door and he calls me a virgin. And I'm like <laughs> A virgin? He calls what kind me of a virgin. is that anyway? That probably works with sixteen year olds, you know what I'm saying? That works with a sixteen year old. <laughs> that might work with a sixteen year old. I was like, Yeah, I'm a virgin with two kids, dumbass. <laughs> I'd call with that. I meant to say pussy. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> um, I don't have to imagine what it's like because uh, I have had to put my hands on a kid before. Um, I was an overnight um, supervisor at a uh, group home. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what, that's um, what Roger and uh, James became friends doing the same thing. Yeah, so uh, when they got disrespectful, um, it, it was um, green light time. Yeah, <laughs> it was green light time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can understand. I just like I said, uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You want to keep mm-hmm. standing up and challenging adults, and you want to act like an adult. One day you're not gonna run into jump. One day you're not gonna run into that. One day you're gonna run into that nigga in the black that's gonna hit you with a Mike Tyson hook across your jaw. <laughs> and keep charging your ass <laughs> and not give a fuck about coming back in that school. Yeah, because old buddy's not that tall. He probably about five foot, I say maybe five himself. Yeah, so he's he probably, about five nine. <laughs> he only about five nine. I don't think he's five nine, bro. I think he's way shorter than that. So uh, uh, he probably got that Napoleon complex. Let's go ahead and run the video. Let's see what, let's see what we do. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh,
give you the hop. The hop. The teacher hop. Take his head off, bro. He's <laughs> <laughs> not fucking out this child. Who hit me? That is wild. That is wild. Hey, it's crazy, but like I said, man, you can't run up on the wrong one. Kids got to learn that shit, man. Like, that dude could have been a substitute, anything. Like, you can't. Yeah, it looked like up. it was in, it looked like it was in band or orchestra or something like that. Yeah, you can't run up on the wrong one, man. And so we had, we had an incident a few years ago with our band instructor. Uh, he had to. Subdue a child. I don't think he took this first swing, <laughs> but he was <laughs> he, he's similar stature. Uh, was has a military background. Was not for the bullshit. And I think he had to put somebody down too. But yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure uh, the tape showed that he was attacked first. You know what I'm saying? So he's he's still on the job. I'm not sure this man is gonna have his job after this week. <laughs> nah. So I don't think he planned to step foot back into a school after that. Nah. He's not going to any school or 50 feet near a school like ever, that dude. That dude, when he balled up his fist, nigga, he punched with intention. <laughs> oh, he he was trying to get, a, get him up out of here. <laughs> he was trying to put that nigga to sleep. Speaking of trying to get him up out of here, Tia Mowry opened up about when she knew it was time to divorce Corey Hardrick and why she considered their marriage a success. Kimberly, I think you brought us a story. You want to talk about it? I thought I couldn't get off of mute for a second. Um, you didn't bring so, chips alone. I, no, I'm, I'm being healthy today. Y'all. Um, if y'all want to promo these wild chicken chips, it's the shit. Um, chicken and waffles flavor. Okay. They're full Wait, what? of protein. Did it chicken and waffle flavor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so I'm a, protein. Are they real yeah, dry? I feel like a lot of proteins would be real dry. Okay. No, they're really good. They're they're nice. Um, Tarjay. Okay, sorry. Uh, quick snack break. So Tia was able to talk about you know their marriage being a success. She was saying basically it was a graduation like. We've been together, we've learned all we could learn, we've we've grown and we are growing apart. So, you know, we decided to stop this thing and uh, co-parent and she gives a, a brief detail about what the co-parenting will look like. I mean, I thought it was a beautiful way to describe divorce or the ending of something that they had compiled together in just like a very respectful way. I had I don't really hear of divorce being a um a positive thing. So I thought it was a nice little spin. 
Joe, you want to go first or you want me to go first? No, I'm, I'm, I'm still one over here. I'm going to let you do it. Uh, To me it looked like Two people who were in the public limelight Saving face Somebody fucked up somewhere I don't think it's this We grew apart And we're just choosing to separate You don't choose that Something chooses it for you Um, So one thing or another chooses it for you. And I, I, I just don't believe oh, we grew apart. We're, we're, we're not going to be together anymore. It's the best for the kid and it's the best for us and we can be our best selves that way. I don't believe that shit. I, I, I don't believe that I'll shit. Say, I, I, believe... See, I, I think usually I don't believe it, but I think that these two people got together when they were like hella young and have, have been together since they were super duper young. So I can see that they grew apart. I can see that being a thing where if you get with somebody when you're a teenager and now you're like, aren't they there 40? Is she 40 or close to 40 or something? Probably. That's a long time. Our age. So I can see them having grown differently from like, I mean, I don't, you still cool with people you were, I mean, you might be with guys, well, are there women saying, that you're still cool with, like real, real cool with, that you were cool with when you were 12, 15? Yeah, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying though, what I'm saying though, that could be true that they grew apart, but there's something that caused them to grow apart. I know people that I went to high school with who are still married now, and they were together in high school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are things, there is a thing that happened Somewhere in that process that caused you to go apart. Now, how far you go apart is where the divorce happens. Because two people can stay together and still be growing apart. But how far you grow apart after that thing happens is where the divorce happens. Hey, see, react to this quote. I knew when I really started to focus on my happiness, Tia told uh, whoever was talking to her that she knew it was time to part ways with him. I feel like as women, we tend to focus on everyone else's happiness and making sure everyone else is okay. Mm. So see, a comment like that makes it seem like he might have been trying to stifle her. Is that the word or something? Whatever changes she was going through at this age, she might have been feeling like he was stifling her. Because I don't know what, again, like I don't, yeah, I don't know what the what the impetus would be to suddenly were. I don't know. That might know. be one in that in that quote. There lies probably the thing. Stifle. That quote, me Stifle. reacting to oh. that quote where she's saying she has to do everything and has to. I, I'm, I'm going to let you take it for a minute, Joe. I need to. Well, I, I was kind of going off of what Ida said with, with, with Stifle Her, and um, I don't know. I, in my marriage at times, felt like, hey, if this is something you want to do, don't let me be in your way. But 
me trying to stop from stifling her didn't save the marriage. You know what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. think I think it has to come from within. I think it has. So if you're growing in a, in a direction away from your husband, and your husband tries to bring you back in a direction that you are or that he is, you know what I'm saying? Is that stifling or is that trying to, uh, you know, prune off some branches that are growing the wrong way? And, and and keep the vine growing strong. I don't know. Um, I don't know. That that little whole sentence just kind of struck me. I think it struck a nerve with me, you know. I feel like as women, we tend to focus on everyone else's happiness and make sure everyone else is okay. Men don't do that. I don't think she was negating that. I don't think she... I I think both parties do I that. I think when she says, I feel like as women, she's negating it. Well, I think she's, she's definitely... There's somewhere where she's negating what he's... what he is or isn't providing. She, she's negating that he's providing something. I think she's saying that she is making herself a priority and she realizes that that could be selfish. And maybe she needs to take that time to focus on herself. I think she's making an I statement, not necessarily focusing anything on her husband or, excuse me, ex-husband. I think she's feeling, I think she's realizing that she was using her husband to fill a void within her that she should have been able to fulfill herself. That's kind of how I saw it, at least. I don't know what went on in marriage. I don't know the dynamics of it. I don't know who was shitty to who or if they both just were, you know, ships passing in the night and never really talked. I don't know how they went down, you know, but I don't understand why you need to leave to find self-love. I can't, I can't understand why you can't find self-love within the construct of which you, you've made vows to. That's a valid point, but that wasn't her choice. Yeah. Maybe she maybe she just didn't want to anymore. Well, she made a choice to get married, and that's... So it takes one person to choose to end the marriage, even though it takes two to get into it. I don't know. That's the, for me, is I'm not putting a... I can't put a positive spin on that. I'm sorry. I, I just... I can't say that was a success unless they say it was a success together. I agree on that. You took so if he learn, comes out and says it was a success, then it was a success. Then I'll, success then I'll is not the it. right choice of words. You can say you learned a lot about yourself. You yeah. learned a lot about uh, you learned a lot about relationships, but to say it was a success to, would mean that you're still together and that you worked through all that. I I'm, I'm not saying success. I'm not saying a marriage that ended short of to death to his part can't be successful. I, there are several things that again from my marriage I got my kids. Uh, from my marriage, you know, I, I learned a lot about relationships myself and that type of thing. Um, I think there can be successes, but I, I just think to come out and announce to the world that my divorce 
was a successful marriage without it being, um, it sounds based on the quotes here that she elected to leave and then she's declaring it as a success. And that to me seems very one-sided. I respect that. I can't argue with that. I mean, like, what does? Is there any quote from him or any like anything he has to say? Kim, you look at it closer than I did. I don't know. No, from the article that was um, that I was able to see, mm-mm, there wasn't any real viewpoint from him. Um, let me scroll down. Because they definitely have her quotes there. Like, Uh so, I mean, I mean, he was, again, a second party in his marriage. Is there any quotable material from him? No, but let let me look up and see. I don't even, what's his name? I don't know him. Let's see, Corey. Let me check and see if Corey has anything to say about the divorce. But, I mean, they're in... There is a thing where you revert back to that statement, Joseph repeated. Um, the one I repeated about her, you know, finding herself, and you know, as women, we feel like we have to take care of everybody else. Yeah. And you know. The. I mean, the only thing that he has stated is I'm grateful for all the happy times we had together and want to thank my friends, family, and fans for their love and support as we start this new chapter moving forward in our lives. But he really hasn't come out with a whole lot of... It just sounds like it just sounds like it's a bunch of well-written statements from lawyers and like I, I don't know it doesn't it seems like there's more behind it than what's being presented. That's all I'll say. Seems like there's way more behind it than what's being presented. Yeah, it sounds like spin. Very much so. Sounds like spin. It sounds like uh, Donald Trump's say way of saying he uh, had a good divorce. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, oh, now this is what he said: letting go can be painful, but it won't hurt as much as holding on to an illusion. Yeah. And so I, I don't disagree that it might have been the best thing, but she declared the marriage a success. He just called the marriage an illusion. Is is illusion a success? Maybe it was an illusion from his viewpoint and and a success from hers. Maybe her getting out with her sanity was a part of that success. I don't know all the ins and outs of their marriage, and I really didn't follow their story too much to begin with. But I think also, I think my perception, because I'm looking at this from a different viewpoint, um, as someone who has never been married, 
but also realizes that um, there are some benefits to marriage. I think when people can end things and end things admirably when children are involved, that's a beautiful thing. So I kind of looked at it from that aspect. But, I mean, y'all are proving some good points. It could be something more going on that we're not privy to. I don't disagree that ending a relationship and and still being able to co-parent is great. I, I wish I had more of that in my marriage. I've seen people who do have it. Um, I'm just I'm just going off of what she said. I, I'm telling you, if I'm a if I'm on a date with Tia Mowry, and I hear these statements, there's not going to be a second date, even as gorgeous as she is. She's not getting a second date. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. AC, am I wrong? I don't know. I, 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 no, I, I mean, for me, like. It's triggering to hear some of those words. If you want to um, date and she say, I feel like as women, we tend to focus on everyone else's happiness and make sure everyone else is okay. Is she getting a second date? Nah. Nah. Nope. Nope. Because that, I mean, that statement right there alone, no, if you just take it for that singular statement, that negates the fact that anybody but her or women think of other people. I, that's that's a selfish statement. Yeah. I think it's a selfish statement. Because there are there are plenty of the other of the other sex that do nothing but think of others. They do nothing but think of their kids and their relationships and think of their others and try to make them uh, make them work, do everything they can to make them succeed, do everything to support them, do everything to give love, and then that love is still not reciprocated. Like, that that happens to males as well. So, I, that is a one-sided statement. If she changed it, if she, if she just said, instead of as women, if she said as parents... Changes the whole statement. It changes the entire statement. If she says as um, a spouse, changes. What she needed to do is just say, "I feel this." She didn't need to try to make it as every woman on earth feels the same way as me. She could have just said, "Like I felt like I was." What is it that she said? Giving more, loving more, having to whatever it is that she said in that statement. That I think would have been better. And I think that she's been trying to do that. But when you're covering up something, isn't it easier to just hide behind the group? Stand in the crowd. Mm. Yeah. I feel more protected. (sighs) Yeah, she's talking to two women on on this show. And so... uh, I think she probably tried to connect with them in that way. I don't know. I I, I wouldn't intend the audience for this. I know that uh, Kim brought this to us, and, and 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 I think there is a message here that is redeemable. I'm just I just read the statements within the story, and I was completely turned off by it. But that's just me. I'm not Tia. Good luck on her path. You know. Anybody else want to 
comment on that. Sis, good luck out in these streets. It's not good luck out in these streets. She might find out it was better back in the house. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway. Um Mike Tyson. Evander Holyfield. That was a hell of a fight back in ninety seven. Who watched that? Hey, see, we watched that together, didn't we? Hey, see. Yeah. Didn't we watch that fight together? Uh, I don't, I don't know if we watched that fight together, man. Didn't uh, didn't uh, Trey Robe had a had a fight? He might have, but I I, I was somewhere very specific when I when I saw that sir. Okay, okay. I think I think I was over at their house watching that fight, Miss. I didn't I didn't know if you were there or not, you know what I'm saying? You might have been. I, I was I was somewhere very specific when that fight was happening. Okay, well I, I don't know where specifically you were. You don't seem to be one to divulge, you know nah, details. We're not gonna do that. Okay. But I, I was I was hanging out with your boys watching that fight and uh as we know, Holyfield was giving Tyson the business, Tyson uh Checked out and decided to chew on his ear. And so now that's a business uh, enterprise. <laughs> Mike Tyson inventor Holyfield partnered to create ear shaped cannabis infused edibles. The first version of Holy Bites is cherry punch flavored, which Tyson <laughs> cherry joked. Punch? <laughs> cherry punch. <laughs> that's good. Which Tyson joked. In uh, in an ad is the flavor of Holyfield's ear. So. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm with it, man. Let's go to Las Vegas and get some. I'm with it. One thing you can be sure of is that nothing is more rewarding than the gift of giving. Happy Holy Days. You go first. You go first. No, you go first. Right. You go first. Okay, okay. I'll go first. I'll go first. No, I go first. You sure? You mean, uh, here you go. What's this? I'm glad we iron things out. You got iron, Mike, and iron. <laughs> now I got you a gift. Agreed. 
I'm sure it packs a punch. It'll probably be alright. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. That was just a really whack commercial. It was, but I think that was the purpose of it, too. Yeah. I feel like that was a bit of a stoner commercial. I don't know. So Holyfield is going to be launching his cannabis line in 2023. So this is technically coming out. About one too? Yeah, he's about to have one too. And I feel like there's a lot of athletes that are getting into cannabis. Um, and they usually kind of partner with somebody else who's already in there. So I, I think this was a beautiful partnership. Uh, that commercial was kind of, it was weird. Um, <laughs> but the products are uh, Delta 8 infused, uh, TC, THC infused. I was about to use a, a different cannabinoid. And um, let's see what else. Delta 8. Oh, no, of course, CBD. Um, and they're currently on sale in Arizona, Illinois, Nevada, and New Jersey. So. Yeah, I saw, uh, I saw Holyfield after that fight. Um, I was still running track. It was after my freshman year. Uh, I was doing AAU that summer. We went down to Orlando to the Wild World of Sports for, uh, a national championship meet. And uh, Holyfield had some kids that was running track, so he was there under a tent. So I got some pictures of him, and I was, I was over there trying to sneak to the side to get a good look at his ear. <laughs> see, see how much Could he of... hear you when you talked to him if you said his name? I didn't say his name because I was like, oh, man, that's Holyfield. That's the champ. I ain't, I ain't fucking with him. You know what I'm saying? You see me looking at his ear, he's going to beat my ass. So I, was... <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to sneak and get a look, a look at it, but... Uh... I don't know. I think I think you can kind of tell that it looked nibbled on. That's all I'm saying. Looks like it was a little bit nibbled on. Might have been cherry yeah, pie yeah. punch flavor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good people. Those are our tabs. Anybody got anything for the good of the cause? Somebody got something. Somebody want to say something. Some, something's burning on somebody's chest. They got to get it off. Who got something Fuck to say? Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. You know what? We almost went the whole episode without announcing that motherfucker's back. Yeah. Yes, he's back. Back again. <laughs> back on the trail. Fuck him still. Fuck him. Yeah, it, it sounds like the Republicans are like that too. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't, Although I, I read I one that. article today that people were like, "Yeah, well, we can't support him right now, but if he's the nominee, we'll vote for him." They will. Like I can't stand him. I can't stand anything about him. But if he's the Republican nominee, we got him. It's like then you clearly still like him. If, I think they don't like him, and the only reason they don't like him is because they don't think he can win. But he has enough of the base that he'll fuck around and win the primary and go lose the general election again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. they're really kind of stuck. 
But they can't say they don't like him, and I, I keep bringing it back to that, and they're willing to put Herschel Walker in office. They can't They can't say they won't vote for him. Oh, they, they get, they're going to vote for him. It's just, can he win? <sighs> it's not It's not 2016 anymore. You can't catch him by surprise no more. You know what I'm saying? No. I hope he wins the primary and then loses horribly. Yeah. I hope that all his like yeah, I just I just wanna see him lose the primary and then get arrested on election day. <laughs> <laughs> and put in prison. Yeah, if he I hope, he, they, I hope they issue him a subpoena at the election booth when he votes in Mara Lago. That'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be pretty good. Not a subpoena, a warrant. A warrant yeah. No, I think uh I, I would definitely love to see him win the uh, primary and then get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. He's not going. He's not going to though. It, it, it there's enough red states that he'll he'll look at least decent in the polls. Yeah, and everybody's going to vote for him. He's the Republican nominee because that's what they do. They stick together. He's going to win Missouri. Probably win Texas. Kansas might be in play though. Kansas might be in play for the Democrat. I don't know. Yeah, they were in Georgia and Florida. Yeah. So, I think that was a good little final uh, shot there. Appreciate that, Ada. Um, for the Lady of Lavender, Sweet Honey Buns over there in uh, AC Slim, this is Half of the Brothers of Doom, a.k.a. Joe Pop. Uh, sending a shout out to uh, Donnie Bosco for, you know, his kids uh, being on the way to the state championship game. Oh, side note, uh, school I used to play, I'm sorry, I used to coach for a couple years ago on the track team. Um, their soccer team has also qualified for a state championship uh, today. So they'll be playing to, to win state in soccer. Uh, that's East High School in Kansas City. So good luck to those young men. Where do they play? Where does state championships happen first? I'd soccer. have to find out. I'd have to find mm-hmm. out. They, but they they play today over on that side of the uh, state because my uh, my former athlete goes to uh, WashU, I think over there. Mm-hmm. And okay. he said the game was about twenty minutes from him, so he caught an Uber over there and, and checked the game out. So I don't know exactly where it is tomorrow. If it's in the same venue, it's gonna be tomorrow. It's gotta be the same venue, right? Oh, they play today? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, if they're playing tomorrow at one thirty, it's got to be the same venue. So somewhere probably close to you, you know, somewhere in your neighborhood. So East will be playing for a state championship, and so will uh, Lee Summit North. So in football. In the city represent. Absolutely, absolutely. So this uh, another reason to break bread with your brothers and sisters. We out. All right, peoples. I appreciate everybody uh, stopping in. It's a good podcast. I feel like all the women did most of the work, though. Not that we do. I think, yeah. Which one is it? Tia or Tamara? I forgot which one it was already. They're the same. It doesn't matter. They they both. I don't know. The other one's got a white husband, right? She yeah. married to that Republican on Fox News. Mm-hmm. 
the other one. Season yeah, that's why when I first heard somebody was getting divorced, I thought it was the one married to the Fox News guy, but it was not. Mm. No, they stand by their people. Yeah. Republicans, yeah, they'll do it to the bitter end, huh? They were they were shotgun your ass to, to get a divorce. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh I, you know, as far as it goes with Tia, I mean, everybody got their own truth. They, she was the only one who experienced her marriage. God bless her. You know, saying I hope she do well, but she, she better get that attitude together before she start talking to other people. That's all I'm saying. I may be wrong. That's, nah, that's my problem. Uh, that's a, that's a me thing. I'm projecting. I don't know. No, nah, you're not projecting. Um, those words brought some shit out of me too. So mm. um, they are they are solid triggers. Yep. Kim sitting there like, like mm, fuck these niggas. They. <laughs> I, see, I see that look on your face. Judging. No judgment here. Hmm. Y'all have a good night, though. Look at all oh, that. That was just dripping with judgment right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt all the judgment there. Anyway. Good y'all have a good night. Y'all see y'all later. I'll see y'all. Bye-bye. your brothers whenever possible. At Jared, we have a brilliant selection of beautifully crafted diamond engagement rings and certified loose diamonds so that you can find the perfect one for your one and only. Best selection, best prices. Enjoy the Jared difference today. Jared, love brilliantly. It is the Riot Podcast. Good Monday, November 28th. Isaiah is here. And more importantly, Nikki is back. Wouldn't we Yay. all like to hear more from Nikki? I apologize, though, because I sound awful in this podcast. No. No, there's no. No. There's no, no. no. Hudson, Hudson, Hudson. No, no it's it not so bad. Nikki, you sound terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. And I didn't even, I didn't even want to do that to you guys, but I also, I feel okay to, like, you know, come in and run things, like run the board, but uh-huh. um, I just know I sound bad. Well, uh, I, your voice is pretty obviously yeah, hindered. We're glad you're here, but you also feel free to just dip out whenever yeah. you, <laughs> you want to go. Yeah. <laughs>
More than welcome. I, I guess, think you guys have fun when I mean, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, now that you've done the show, though, you might as well stay the rest of the day. I do. I There's not a lot of other talking and involved. I so. can just sit at my desk and do that. Quietly. Yeah, exactly. You don't just speak to anybody or anything. You can keep your door closed and just work on your computer. No, because then everybody upstairs is going to come in to ask me, like, oh, what's wrong? Yeah, they're going to be like, is <laughs> Nikki upset? I just need you two to answer the same answer yes, yeah. I've given you and tell everybody. Like, nobody is- speak to her. All right. That was a difficulty when I had what you have now is that everybody like it feels like you get a million more questions asked of you <laughs> when you can't talk at yeah. all. And then that leads to more questions because then they hear you talking and you just kind of want to shut up, you know. <laughs> Like, like, how can I get out of here? For I just want to assure this is don't ask, okay? Yeah, yes. exactly. Don't ask me about it, but exactly. I'm here for, you know, a, a smaller part of it. <laughs> yeah, and so today on the show, one of the things that we talked about was a man who did not want to speak to anybody at work, and he also didn't want to do anything after work either, but he ended up uh, winning, what was it, a court case about yeah. being boring at work? I didn't see how much money this guy made, but uh, after seven years of being in court for being, he says that he got he fired, fired because he wasn't enough fun at work and he didn't want to go out and do like after work drinks and uh, outside of the regular work hours, seminars and stuff. He didn't want to participate in that. He didn't, that's not what he called fun. Uh, and it is what his company called fun, and turns out he was the he was the right one in the and, end. I mean, he was awarded what would have been like his pay during that time. Uh-huh. So it was. It was seven years though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So that's a lot mm-hmm. of money. That's a lot of money. As long as it went, but Jeez, you should have waited longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I actually uh, quit twenty, or I got fired twenty years ago. Uh huh. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, we also <laughs> talked about uh, at the very end, Hudson and Nikki try my favorite Yay. Thanksgiving side, uh-huh. and it was fantastic. Here it is! Yay! It's. I was hoping it would help my throat, but it also down. Yeah. I don't think the sugar helped. <laughs> Oddly enough, it didn't quite help. Mm. We talked about the old cherry fluff and a woman who ended up suing Kraft because. Her mac and cheese was not as advertised. Yeah, and I think, uh, like, are we in support of that? Because she's technically correct, right? I don't know how I feel about it. It seems kind of slimy. Yeah. What do they call the ambulance chasers? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, just someone who's always looking for a, and you usually find out that that person's also a lawyer themselves, so they can do this on their own. I don't know. I, I say when we talk about it, I don't care how you figured it out. You figured it out. Uh, a lie and uh whether you, you were looking money for out a of lie it. yeah that's right uh that's like this is like getting mad at uh, like getting mad at her for suing them over this is like getting mad at uh like if your girlfriend takes your phone and then sees you're cheating and talking to somebody else and it's like well you took my phone when no. you were looking through my phone. Yeah, you wouldn't have known if you weren't I looking said, through my phone. That's your example. That's know, my that was example. A, that was a bad example. That but what do you mean? I get the correlation a little bit. It's the same thing. You can't get mad at her because she found out that Kraft is lying in front of all of our faces. 
They're cheating on us. I just wanted to end on that note. I think that was a good way to add it. (laughs) All right, let's leave it there. Well, we will uh, talk to you guys tomorrow then. All right. Or kind of talk to you. Yeah. We'll see how much we're talking to you. We'll see what it's like. Bye. See you guys. Find more Riot content online. Riot.radiou.com. The hand strikes and gives a flower. Oh, no. Nikki is back, but can we really be sure that it's Nikki? Can I just clap during the show? You just want to use sound effects? It is so bad. My voice is gone. Yeah. And I sound awful. Yeah, this is your uh, comeuppance. This is what you had. That's right. So, Isaiah, you got to come in. I guess uh, <laughs> you can blame me for this a little a little bit. I guess who else would you blame for it? Well, maybe it'll it'll like warm up throughout the morning. But you like, think so? You guys can't hear me do this show like this. It's uh, We're all uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, you're really bothering everybody. I'm sorry. Uh, but it would also be a real bother if I just had to do this on my own. Or even worse, what if Isaiah and I had to do another show another together? Another show without me. Yeah, I'm we've sorry. already done so many. People are so tired of that. So uh, so we, we have Nikki back, but not better than ever. So I know it's radio, but like I can be like, yes or no. <laughs> uh-huh. One loud no. Yeah. <laughs> you're two claps for yes, two one claps. clap for no. And, uh, and I hate what's wrong with my voice. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, it's unfortunate. It really is. But what do you, this is what I was dealing with when I had the voice issue that you had is uh, that you have now is that otherwise, right? You don't feel horrible. I don't feel horrible. No, it's no? just that there is a a lingering uh, phlegm, a lingering mucus. There's some mucus uh, that is stuck up in your all of your cavities. That uh, all of the places where your voice should normally flow through, and uh, and it just won't go anywhere. And you it sound ridiculous what do you mean <laughs> mean like oh, I you sound, sound ridiculous I sound yeah. ridiculous yeah to where people are like oh my gosh you're like no my voice is just gone yeah well i'm you know, sorry everybody nikki this won't help you on the radio but i know you've got your looks i'm just your here. pretty face i'm just here and don't sit. forget about the importance <laughs> of body language hey. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll you tell know. you what, I can at least push the board and every yes. so often I'll be like, yes, Hudson. Uh-huh. Yes, Isaiah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think that's all I got. Well, if you can push the board, that's better than also Isaiah and I could do so. Oh, you guys couldn't do that as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, we had our run in. So uh, we're glad to have you back. Sorry, and, it's it's in this condition. Yeah, well, I guess I'm sorry I passed this to you. Yeah, sorry to my boss as well. Eventually, I don't think he's uh, happy. eventually, everybody here will get this. It feels very slow moving. Yeah, uh, but it's going to get to everybody, and they'll all understand. Well, this day. this lingers for yeah, sure. It sure does. The riots X-rays just came in, and they all. Got that dog in them. Radio U. Now, uh, the World Cup is going on. And I suppose for some people, when they think World Cup, they think 
nutmeg. Really? The flavor nutmeg. I'm not sure why that would be, but that is what Pepsi is saying. At least that's what they're putting out as the official flavor for the World Cup. Pepsi Nutmeg Royale is their new flavor. Is that uh, in because honor of the World more Cup. of the host country? Um, for Qatar, yeah, yeah. Do they grow nutmeg there? They're big nutmeg people out there. <laughs> yeah, big nutmeg guys. That's nutmeg Qatar. No, it goes with soccer. This is hand. why it goes with soccer. I'll tell you right now because right. there's a move in soccer where if you kick it between somebody's legs, no! that's called a nutmeg. I swear that's it is. It. That is the truth. That's the truth. How do you know that? It, because it's the same thing in like any sport, like lacrosse that I played, and uh-huh. like hockey as well. Like if you put it between the goalie's legs, it's called a nutmeg. I I've never heard that. I'm yeah. not sure. In that's hockey, why. we always call that the five hole. Oh yeah, it could be. It could be called the five hole as well, or a nutmeg is what it's called. Oh well, uh, you could be completely making that up because I've never heard it before. But I'll take your take your word for it. Uh, so I guess that's why they call it. And you know what? Uh, look the, in the look. What's happening was, on the bo- yep, on I'm the looking bottle? Looking at the can, it lends credence to what Isaiah said because that is exactly what is happening to uh, the in the design on the can. Somebody's getting the ball right between the legs, and so uh, that makes sense. Well, the Pepsi Nutmeg Royale that is their flavor for the World Cup. Now, here's the thing. Unfortunately, this is going to be very hard to get. They say it's going to be extremely limited quantities. And in fact, we don't even know how to purchase it yet. We do not know as of this moment. Uh, it doesn't look like Pepsi is announced. They put out a commercial for it uh, with Lionel Messi but and Ronaldinho. But they haven't said where I mean, you'll want to be following the Pepsi socials, but they haven't said how you can get it exactly or when. Probably not in stores. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. It doesn't sound like the flavor of the World Cup. Then, if I can't even drink it on my couch while I watch the game, <laughs> yeah, I guess not. That, that maybe uh, it's so exclusive you can only get it at the World Cup. Oddly enough, that'd be the one thing that they allow is not Pepsi. What's uh, the box it comes in? Um, I was wondering about that too because it's got like uh, it looks cool. It looks yeah, like kind of, it's almost like wood. It it looks like an international shipment, doesn't it? Like yeah. a crate this yeah. way up. Oh yeah, that is good. Uh, so that is what do you what do you think? You think nutmeg Pepsi would taste any taste any good? It's kind of you know it's a nice. Autumn's a nice autumn, like seasonal spice. Maybe, maybe it might be all right. I don't know if I'd like it. You don't know? I mean, I'm I'm sure it would be fine because it probably would taste like Pepsi with like just like a little like hint of nutmeg. But at the same time, I'm not like a huge nutmeg fan in general of the flavor. Uh-huh. So I don't know if it would be for me. You think you could pick nutmeg out of a lineup? Uh, seasoning wise? Yeah, if you were blind and somebody put a bunch of different seasonings on your tongue, you think you could differentiate Sound, nutmeg? Sounds like a challenge for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> you think you could differentiate I don't nut- think I could do it. No? No, no. If I don't it was think nutmeg versus ginger? Oh, oh no. Nutmeg versus can... cinnamon? You think you could? I think it's pretty similar. Nutmeg versus cloves? They're all kind of. Uh, now that's a World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that is that, the World Cup. That is right. Uh, well, that is uh, something you want to keep your eyes out for. It's a flavor from Pepsi that is coming, but when and how to get it, we still don't know. 
Good luck, though. Add a little riot to your Instagram feed. Follow at Radio U Official. The Riot. Radio U. Football headlines. But today, I think I just want to do football headline. Michigan plants the flag at the center of Ohio Stadium after dump trucking Ohio State. <laughs> Was that the term? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I'm sure you two guys watched the game. Uh, when did you give up hope? Uh, when we threw the interception on the eight-yard line. Oh. Yeah. That was the end of it for me. You didn't give up when they punted inexplicably? Was no. Fourth and three? I wasn't. I was still... Because in my mind, I was like, we could just drive down the field and score. Uh-huh. And we did, but we just didn't convert in the red zone. But for, I mean, for me, it was whenever we – there was about three different times in the fourth quarter where I was like, we probably should go for this on fourth down because we have like the best wide receiver in the country with uh-huh. a Heisman quarterback. And clearly our defense is pretty inept right now. Uh-huh. So usually oh. you'd want to lean on your offense when your defense gives up – 45 points, but for whatever reason, Ryan Day decided to be very conservative in the fourth quarter, not trust his Heisman candidate quarterback, and lean on a defense that has been very sketchy the entire season. So that was when I was like, ah, this probably isn't going well for us. It was very questionable, I thought, when they punted, because, again, clearly it wasn't going good for the defense. And uh, why would you not? You're like, you're a team that all anybody talks about is how good, like you basically, you can't stop Ohio state's offense except fourth and three. We're not going <laughs> to, we're not even going to try. We're not going to test it out. Uh, so and that was, it was a big uh, question mark there. So how would you as an Ohio state fan, would you give more credit to Michigan or blame to Ohio state after a, a performance one. like that? I think it's like a mixture of both. I mean, Michigan played a really good game. Obviously, in the first half, in the first quarter of the game, Uh, I could have turned off the game there and said, we're going to win by 30 points. It looked like it. Like, we just ran down the field. It was There was no worries at all. Our defense was destroying J.J. McCarthy and their offense. Like, we looked fantastic coming out in the first quarter. Second half, we just didn't really make any adjustments. They did. They started to really lean on the running game and control the clock. And so they did a good job, like offensively, of just moving the ball down the field and just being very methodical in their drives. Where mm. on the other side, Ohio State just couldn't really get it going in the second half offensively, and our defense kind of fell apart. And so Michigan played a good game. I mean, for me, if we played again tomorrow, uh-huh. do I think that they would beat us by 20 points? I personally don't think they would. But at the end of the day, they they played better on Saturday than oh, we did. See, that's well. Regina texted and she said it made her so sad. Be sad too, Regina. <laughs> Is that how I lost my voice? Yes, yeah, possibly. <laughs> see, I was thinking, I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking at some point in there, and maybe it was when uh, uh, Ohio State decided to putt. But it seemed like Michigan broke their spirits. And if that game in a different world where football games go on for 120 minutes, like it was a double game, yeah, it would have been even worse. Like it would, Michigan just yep. would have kept scoring on the first play that they got the ball every time because Ohio State, like they just. 
their hearts their hearts were out of it at some point. And I don't know. It was, uh, I mean, hey, I enjoyed it, but I know it was <laughs> very hard for a lot of people who had a lot of big talk for a long time, and now they take two big L's in a row, and uh, and you have to live with it. I'm wondering, how nervous are you? Because uh, there was a lot of talk ahead of the ahead of this game that, well, it might not even matter. Because we really trust TCU, USC, the other teams that are in the playoff hunt. We really think they're going to win out, and they both did win uh, uh, on Saturday. But they've still got one more game each. But how nervous are you? Let's say one of them loses, that the committee takes Alabama over Ohio State. There's a chance. But that would be just so crazy, though. Because they've never let in a two-loss team. And that's the only reason I think that it would be, it would be tough for for them to take in Alabama. It would be tough, but Alabama, you think about it, they lost two coin flip games on the road against really good teams. Ohio State got dump trucked at their in their home stadium against a team that they could face again in the playoffs. We don't want to see another dump trucking, do we? Is that what we want to see, Nikki? No, no, Jim Harbaugh backing no, up the truck. Don't. No, we full don't want to see that he again. He's like, "Hey, come here, Ryan Day. Stand right underneath it and open your mouth." We, we can't handle that. No, we can't we handle that. that. So uh, I think it, maybe it would be best for everybody if we just let Ohio State you get a real nice. What do, what do they go to the Rose Bowl or something? Yeah, you know? just the old, just the Rose Bowl. Uh-huh. I mean, just the Why don't Rose Bowl. Why you go Bowl. play Utah again in a game that doesn't matter? <laughs> Hudson, Nikki, the riot on Radio U. Nothing's worse than when you desperately need a bathroom and you pull up to a to a restaurant, a fast food place, due to staffing issues. <laughs> The dining room is currently closed. It's always closed. Always closed. Are they ever going to reopen them? Like, that's my question. There's so many around me where I live that just the dining rooms are still just permanently closed. Like, Uh am I ever going to be able to go back in there again? I don't think. They just don't have enough people. Yeah. I think think they are. They've realized many fast food restaurants have realized they're happy that way. They. Even if they do, like, they're just not going to hire more people yeah. to, because it's not worth it. Uh, I mean, you already see a lot of new places being built that are really just like Taco Bells. Of course, that's their thing of the future is you just need a bunch of drive throughs And that's probably what it's going to be. But it is unfortunate. But all that said, I feel like there's one place you can still count on to be open on the inside. And that's McDonald's. I don't know. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. Think? It's not I think pretty. it is because the so one few... next to me isn't even open on the oh, inside, unfortunately. Nope. Oh. That's the that's the place I'm talking about. McDonald's is the one place where I feel like I can I can I know I can find a toilet if I need one. Uh, and I think also because so few people now, everybody's just expecting the inside to be closed. So that means it's nicer inside because nobody goes in there. So, nice and clean. Uh, and so <laughs> again, that means you haven't been in in a while. We, yeah. we have one woman here uh, who found herself in a McDonald's bathroom, and she really needed it. Uh, but it turns out, she, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it's not for that reason. She did. She oh, really man, needed voice. it. She. <laughs> we have a woman. Uh, her name is Alandria Worthy. 
that uh, she found herself in a McDonald's and it was a desperate situation. She had to run to the bathroom, not so she could go to the bathroom, but so that she could deliver a baby. Oh, nice. Yeah, the time came, the, the moment happened where she had to run in, this was on Wednesday morning last week, where she had to run into uh, the McDonald's bathroom. Her fiance was there with her. They were on their way to the hospital, but uh, she thought she just had to go. And actually, it turns out like, uh, well, you can go, but you also need to deliver the baby here. So uh, the fiance, of course, trying to help out and uh, a couple of McDonald's workers there happened to be a few other women there that were like well i mean we're not doctors clearly we're not nurses but we're women so we we can step in and help out and that's what they did if i had more of a voice i'd dissect that with you what do you mean i'm not what Listen, I would be Isaiah. I'll dissect it instead. Yeah, jump in. Would so we, clearly, <laughs> would we be any help? No, I wouldn't be any help. We I wouldn't, wouldn't even want to be in the bathroom. There it's were, not because you're not women. No, because you're men. There was probably men workers, male workers there. Standing around. They were like, no. Nope. And, and the lady said, "You guys keep serving up the fries." We'll take care of this. And they ran to the bathroom. They ran to the ladies' bathroom to help Alandria Worthy deliver her baby right there. (laughs) They even said, they said the quote was, uh, we took care of everything so that the, so that all the fiance had to do was catch the baby. That's all he had to do. Uh, his name was Deandre. He, he took care of the catching the baby. And obviously the mom, Alandria Worthy took care of the delivering uh, of the baby, and uh, the baby was born happy and healthy. And, and the and baby's nickname? They've given it a nickname of Little Nugget. Oh, little, little Nuggets. Little McNugget, I guess it should be. Uh, now, I'm still waiting to hear what kind of uh, free nugget situation that baby is in Good for. Goal. Yeah, because oh, it should be something, right? I, th- I think as well, I mean, the good thing is the workers were able to go straight from delivering a baby to going right back to tossing your nuggets in the, That's in the, right. uh, in the little packs. Scrub out. Yes. And then we're good to go. I'm sure they washed their hands. I'm sure they did. And I hope they can put this on their resume. Maybe they can be nurses one day if they'd like to, if that's an ambition of theirs. Now they've got uh, some pretty good qualifications, I'd say. The words too expensive aren't in Nikki's vocabulary. This is the riot. Radio U. Let's do our Monday tradition of looking back at the weekend box office. Sure. Have you ever come up with a name for this? Box office buzz. Yeah, that sounds good. Is that good? That's or good. does that sound like what's coming out when we do a uh, thing? That sounds like what's coming out. Okay. How about the buzz recap? Yeah, the recap of the buzz. <laughs> Wait, is that confusing with Battle of the Buzz, though? It's all one big buzz. All right, we're all buzzing. Okay, uh, this weekend, and we're looking at the Thanksgiving weekend, so a lot of these movies, uh, in fact, I guess all of them, really would have come out ahead of Thanksgiving so that you could go on Thanksgiving Day, on Black Friday, uh, and I think even like the Wednesday night before Black, uh, Thanksgiving. 
So this is a five-day weekend, they call it. And coming in at number one in the box office this weekend was Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Not too surprised. $64 million to raise its uh, domestic total to $367 million. That's pretty good, wouldn't you say? Anybody see it yet? I haven't seen it. My brother saw it. Uh Uh-huh. He said it was all right. Oh. Yeah. I I saw it as well. Uh, I went to see that this weekend. And I'll tell you one thing. For one, long. It feels like a long movie. It takes a... And maybe not even... It's runtime feels long, but... Getting into the movie, it takes a long time to set things up before you actually start to get invested in anything. Uh, Two, there's been a lot of criticism of Marvel CGI in in like some of their recent movies, and most of the time I'm like, yeah, you know, it's you know, it's not that bad. This one had some moments. Where it was pretty bad. Well, they got to cut back somehow. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> where they cut back. Uh, and finally, um, I feel that the performance of like all the characters was good, uh, particularly the main character. However, I don't know if they did a good job selling me. I don't know if it was well written or well executed selling me on really getting excited about the lead of the movie. I don't want to spoil anything. So, uh, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm Did you like about. it or not? What's the, what's the consensus? Mm, uh, I mean, like I wasn't upset that I spent two and a half, three hours in the theater. Uh, am I really excited to watch it again? No. So I'll give it, uh, what do we, we do ratings out of five, right? We do. I'm, How it, many Panther balls? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really a three. three a three. Yeah, it's a three out of five. Okay, fair. Uh, just just okay. Okay, let's move on to something else. Number two in the box office this weekend, Strange World. So even though uh, it wasn't number one, Disney still gets the top two movies for Thanksgiving weekend. Strange World made $18 million. I haven't seen a thing on Strange World. Me either. Not even a trailer. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Not one thing. That's like the new kids. I know. It's a kids movie. movie. It's animated. Uh, Who did you say was in it? It's like Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm -hmm. um, There was a couple different, like pretty like well-known people that were voices in it. Yeah. They said for Disney. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on a Thanksgiving weekend, it doesn't feel really great. Uh, number three, see what you think of this. The Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, made $13 million. Mind you, it also is out on Netflix, right? It's not yet. Not yet. Not for a few more weeks. They got to stop doing that. <laughs> I just, know. It's just really confusing. But it was a theater only, and then it'll be out. It did make uh, $13 million. And that's only in that's in less than seven hundred theaters. So you couldn't just go to any theater. In fact, I know the one where I went to see Black Panther did not have it. Really? Uh, so it wasn't like you could just go anywhere and see it, and it still made that much money, which is that's a good sign. 
I bet you a lot of people will watch it on Netflix, you think? Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to watch it on Netflix for sure. We were talking if you were on Friday because we thought it was coming to Netflix this weekend. We might have How said that, yes. How foolish of us. How foolish we of us. We might have spread the rumor that was incorrect we, last Friday. But uh, it wasn't us. It was Netflix. Yeah, they were confusing. They've duped us. Uh, they so got us. You said you were going to watch it Tuesday. Now you can't. I cannot. But this one my brother also saw this past weekend. Jeez. Big movie guy. Big yeah, movie apparently. guy. He said this one's really Maybe good. Maybe we should have so. him on the show. I know we should. He's yeah. a good movie consultant. Uh, last one I'll mention is number four, Devotion. And that came in with $9 million, which I feel is probably worse than they expected. Uh, that's I think that's a new like fighter plane movie uh, about the war or something. Uh, okay, did you guys watch any... Uh, Nick, you haven't been here in two weeks. You watch anything? It's you can not give us been a really two quick... weeks, but it's been close. I actually watched... I'm sorry for my voice, guys. <laughs> I watched a lot of shows. Like, I caught up on mm, a lot. Uh-huh. But you don't want to hear me explain it yet <laughs> until my voice I'm sure you back. loved them. I did. Yeah, I right. did. They were great. Like, it was great. It was great. Did you watch any entertainment that wasn't sports related? See, that's what I was trying to think. I don't think I did. So neither of you guys watched the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, the Christmas, Christmas special. special. No. I have not watched that yet. That. And I also wanted to watch the uh, Santa Claus one. Did you yes. watch that either? The Santa Clauses, yeah. Uh, I've watched a bit of the Santa Claus. We, we, Isaiah and I talked about the Santa Clauses. I watched one episode, and it didn't sell. Like, it wasn't wasn't like, oh, I got to keep watching this. Uh, but my parents did watch it, and they got a few episodes in, and they really like it, it seems. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, you guys got to watch it. I heard it's pretty good. Real good. Real good. There's one glaring issue, and I'll tell you right now before you even see it. It's Groot. Groot appears a few times, and I don't know what they were doing. <laughs> I don't know why. They just look different? He looks horrible. Uh-huh. He looks like a really low-budget, co- like you and I could have dressed up, put together a Groot costume. <laughs> looks as good as Groot does in the holiday special, but if you can put that aside, like it's it. a lot of fun. You should really enjoy it. While Isaiah is wishing for a girlfriend, Nikki and Hudson are just wishing for any friend at all. The Riot. Radio U. You guys, for Thanksgiving, you do that thing where uh, everybody sits around the table. You're ready to eat. And somebody goes, okay, let's all say what we're thankful for. Everybody take a turn. You guys do that this Thanksgiving? No. You didn't do it? We didn't I do said. it either. We usually always do it. We didn't this year. Yeah. All right, let's do it right now. Tell your mom she dropped the ball. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. I'm thankful for my voice to come back. Yeah, One that's day. right. You know, actually, Nikki, that plays right into what I was going to say is that, uh, you know, the things you're thankful for, if you anybody who did go around and do that, I tried to start it at my family Thanksgiving. Nobody was doing it. I feel like I was making people uncomfortable. I was like, come on, guys. What are you thankful for? Say stuff you're thankful for. Uh, but uh, anything you're thankful for, it can be taken away. It can go. Just like as quickly as Nikki's voice went and left us, uh, it, your your blessings, like the things that you are thankful for, none of it is necessarily going to be around forever. And uh, that's difficult because so much of the, like, that's 
in a many ways what makes our life so great is that uh like all the things we have to be thankful for that's what you're that's what you appreciate about life but what if some of that stuff goes away you're still going to appreciate life. like what's going to keep you going i'll tell you what should can keep you going even if you feel like some stuff has been taken away from you and it's god because jesus will not be taken away from you he's the one thing you can be thankful for you can hold on to and uh even in the midst of other things you can be thankful for that might disappear, that might not last as long as you hope they do. God's not going to leave you. He'll never abandon you. And the best of all is that he is there in those moments where other stuff goes away. Uh, he's there for you to hold on to. And that is something to be thankful for. And it's something that you can have. And all you have to do is ask, say, hey, God, I want you in my life. Jesus, uh, I want you i i want to know that you're there that i can count on you uh even more so than all these other things that i love and i'm thankful for and they're great but i want you because uh, i know that you'll always be there for me so talking to god let him talk to you and if you want to know more radiou.com slash free gift you won't hear a show like this anywhere else and that's probably for the best. The worst of the riot. Radio U. France is very pro-worker. We actually talked about that, uh, Isaiah, during some of the time that Nikki was out. Uh, Nikki, I don't know if you know this. In France, they have like, their work weeks, I think, are 35 hours <laughs> is the standard. And they get a ton of vacation time, like just a ton. On. I think even like your employer pays for your lunch and stuff. Yeah. And you take like one whole month off in the summer. Uh-huh. And it sounds incredible. It sounds amazing. <laughs> and what we learned though, I uh when I then I talked about it. When you have no voice. I know, yeah, right. You, get those probably, off. you probably would not be working today Nick, I if you to lived in, in France. So the thing is in France, uh they also you would think all of that might make like the workers more motivated, happier or whatever. It doesn't. They're, the workers there are really feeling lazy and they feel like they have no purpose at work. Uh, like they don't. So I don't know. It just goes to show that uh, even if we relaxed things here in the United States, it doesn't mean everybody will all of a sudden be, you know, all our problems will be solved. We probably, we might be happier in some ways, but not necessarily everything we fix. Anyways, it's a very pro worker country. In fact, so pro worker that uh their court of cessation recently ruled uh that one man uh was wrong to be fired for not being fun Did enough. You see what they're calling him? His name? Mr. T. Mr. T, but not the one you're thinking of. Uh, he has, he has won his case. This goes back to 2015. He was fired from his job, uh, at a consultancy firm called cubic partners. Uh, and he alleged in his, uh, in his lawsuit that he was fired for not being fun enough for being too boring. And now seven years later, the court has ruled in his favor saying that, yeah, he doesn't have to be fun. He can be boring and be at work, and that's totally fine. If you want to get into the details, basically it sounds like this company 
uh, which their motto is literally, they say, fun and pro. Uh, they like to do a lot of seminars, a lot of like organized team meetings, like outside of work hours, it sounds like, team building stuff. A lot of alcohol was always provided, which I think probably encouraged a lot of people to show up, but that's not what this guy wanted to do. He's like, I don't, do I don't want to spend time with you people outside of work. And so uh, since he was avoiding these get-togethers uh, that the company deemed necessary, they eventually fired him, and it has now been, uh, now been, now been decided that that was unlawful. And so I don't know what kind of payout he's getting for this, but he's finally getting his, his due, and the company is finally, uh, finally going to have to pay for firing for not being fun enough. What do you make of all that? For me, I think that uh, I think rightfully so. You should be fun at work. <laughs> I think that it's a part Tell of the workplace. If you have somebody who works at your at your business uh-huh. who nobody likes, that person is more likely to be fired. Wouldn't you say so? If you're a likable person, it's a lot harder to get fired. I feel like. Probably. It is. I mean, you is think about too. Strategy? You probably, I, and I'll say this, that is my, that's my, my go-to strategy. As long as I'm likable, they'll feel really bad fire me. You've probably not gotten a job before if they just didn't think you'd fit into the workplace. Everybody knows what your workplace culture is. Uh-huh. There's times when you probably interview people and you're like, you know what? They probably just wouldn't fit in. They probably could do yeah. the job, but they probably wouldn't fit in here. And so you didn't get hired because you can't do the job. You didn't get hired solely based off of your personality. But what we're finding is you uh, he did get the job, and once you get the job, you can't be fired for not being fun Apparently because of so. your personality. Uh, I'm totally with the worker on this one, the guy who got fired. Uh, I don't want to spend any more time with you people than <laughs> is required by our bosses. Uh, required by the law. And so once uh, our 40 hours is up, you guys asking me to go drinks after work? No, thank you. And that's what this, well, this guy is. This is why we never you. invite that's you. That's why this guy. Oddly I'm, enough, this is why Hudson never gets to come. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you guys are having big parties, having lots of fun outside, oh, of, of, outside of work hours that I'm uh, missing out on. Well, uh, good for Mr. T. I'm glad things have worked out for him. Uh, and I don't know what this means for the United States, but uh, you know what? He, maybe you can use this for legal standing if you want to turn down your coworkers' uh, friendly advances. And Mr. T, if you're looking for a job, unfortunately, I don't accept you. You don't sound like much fun, if I'm being honest. I don't know if you'd fit into the culture. We're not sure who behaves worse, the riot or their dogs. I don't even know how to behave like a real human being. The riot. Radio you. You guys, uh, Nick, you did a little traveling for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was in Florida. Yeah. Do you have any stories to relay from that? Or? Um, I might save them till my voice till comes your voice back. Sounds better. I don't think you want to hear the stories. So they're long this way. stories. They're long. Yeah, Isaiah, you have any stories? You didn't. You didn't like. You you visited some family, but you stayed around town, right? Yeah, I didn't travel really for for old Thanksgiving. Yeah, I saw you got the turkey leg though. 
I did get the turkey leg like I said I would. Oh, like your family turkey? Yeah, like my family turkey. I went to a Thanksgiving of like 50 people, and I told Hudson before that, like I always get the turkey leg. And then I still even fought through the 50 people. I still got the turkey leg. Yeah, pretty impressive. Uh, For my Thanksgiving, I spent some time... And I really, I want to get your perspective on this, particularly Isaiah. I spent some time with my family in Maryland where part of it is uh, helping my parents move. They're moving out of their their house that they've been in for a long time there, uh, moving close to us here in the Radio U listening area. So that's exciting. So I helped them move. I also spent some time, you know, with the rest of the family. We all got together for Thanksgiving. And then... Got to hang out with like some other friends and stuff. Yeah, from rural Maryland, and what I find was, and I don't know if this is this is you, Isaiah, as well, because you grew up kind of like it's a little country, mm-hmm. say a little uh, a little country, a little redneck, a little hazy. Even in Maryland, yeah, yeah, okay. Most of Maryland is that way, I would say. Uh, at least landmass wise, there's like there's the big cities, the DC and Baltimore area, but other than that, it's a whole bunch of rednecks. And uh, so when you go back, like you now, you wouldn't consider yourself a country guy. I would say like uh, I would grew up country, so I yeah. said there's parts of me that are still country, but I don't. I wouldn't consider myself country right now. You still no. access those parts, but see, that's what I had to yeah. do because. What I found myself was one night around a bonfire, and it was my brother and a bunch of other guys all talking about how they went deer hunting that morning. Oh, wow. Separately, individually, and I had to try to fit in with this, and that's where, like, sometimes you just, you go back and you visit family, and then you realize... You've changed. You, yeah, you grew up <laughs> this in a different slicker. world than you now. That like the world you live in now is so different than the world you came from. But you never hunted when you were there. No, I didn't. Yeah, see, that's kind of why I left because I never really fit in with the redneck crowd, anyways. And then, and now you go back, and I mean, I can still. I think I can hold my own. I bet you I could tell you guys about deer hunting and just make it up. And you guys would believe me uh, and not find a fault in it. And I even think with a, with a few hunters, I could probably make Hold up some own. stuff. Yeah, I could make up some stuff. Uh, but when I, but it's just sitting there and listening to other people talk about it, you realize that you have a totally different life than the, than the people you grew up with. It's a interesting, my brother got, he, uh, he busted up his nose and all the other hunters that you know that went deer hunting that morning, they're like, "Oh, must the scope must have gotten you, huh?" <laughs> all yeah, for the gun. <laughs> yeah, the scope. Uh, I guess that's a, th- a hunting thing. You whack yourself with the scope somehow. Isaiah, that ever happened to you? No, it never happened to me. <laughs> Oddly <laughs> enough, is, because when you shoot the gun, familiar? when you shoot the gun. It like has the, the kick recoil. to it, yeah, yeah, the recoil, and so it probably came back and hit him in the that's face. That's what I. That's what I hear is the normal thing. They had a long conversation about. It. For my brother, it wasn't even when he shot it. Apparently, I don't know. What? Uh, I don't have the full story, but somehow the scope got him. So uh, I don't know. It's just a thing I was thinking about. You know, like I can go back and I can still, 
I still dress. I can still act like I fit in. But the truth is, I down in your heart, yeah, you but, feel out of place. But, yeah, I was a lot more at home uh, in the morning when I was going out to a, a local coffee shop with my friend, and we were sitting in like a tea room drinking lattes. Oh, that's, that's your vibe now. That's, that's your that, vibe. I felt totally comfortable there. Oddly enough, around the bonfire with deer hunting talk, I didn't have a lot to chime in with. So that was just something. It was a little little picture of of the land that i come from uh in rural maryland your for you page would be a lot more fun if it had hudson nikki and isaiah follow at radio U official on tiktok the right radio U. uh would either of you uh folks describe yourself as someone who looks to bold statements of value when click Quickly selecting groceries. For bold statements? Yeah, bold statements of value. Mm. Is that what you look to when you You mean like a better buy? Like if something's like on discount or something? Uh no, I'm saying like if you're look you're looking at the packaging, you see all the let's say you see all the you're in the mac and cheese aisle, you see all the mac and cheeses, and one of them says Ready in three and a half minutes. Oh, something to make That's a bold, bold statement, wouldn't sure. you say? Yeah. It's a bold claim. You're like, how can that possibly be? Three and a half minutes, you say? Well, I'll take you up on that, Velveeta. Is that how you guys are? Maybe. I would lean no. Not no, huh? So you, then you maybe haven't been duped like so many others have by the Kraft Heinz company and their deceptive packaging uh which says and i quote ready in three and a half minutes uh there is now a class action lawsuit being filed headed up uh on behalf of amanda ramirez who uh is of west palm beach florida she uh went ahead and filed this lawsuit uh because on the Velveeta shells and cheese, the little, the, you know, the ones you microwave, the oh, little the individual. I've got them in my place right you now. Do. You do? I do. Well, then you may be eligible for compensation because uh, it says very clearly on there, again, and I quote, ready in three and a half minutes. However, it doesn't take a lot of detective work to realize that's not true because listen to these instructions. One. Remove lid and cheese sauce, ta- sauce pouch. How long do you think that takes? A couple of seconds. A couple of seconds, yeah. right? Uh, okay. Then you must add water to the fill line in cup. How many seconds does that take? A couple more. All right. So we're at like four seconds. I'd say we're closer to 10. 10 seconds. Stir. How many seconds you stir for? It doesn't specify. Two. two at least two seconds. So now we're up to at least 12. Then microwave uncovered for three and a half minutes. So we're getting, we're pushing like three and three quarters of a minute now. And yet it said three and a half minutes. Did it not? So now they're suing for that. So they're suing because it is inaccurate. Consumers seeing ready in three and a half minutes will believe it represents the total amount of time it takes to prepare the product. I don't think that's unreasonable to say, and neither does Amanda Ramirez. 
meaning from the moment it is unopened to the moment it is ready for consumption. And that's uh, right. It feels though like a sorry again for my voice, guys. It feels like she's just finding a lawsuit. Maybe, but is she wrong? Is she wrong? I don't know. Just because she found it, maybe she was looking for things to find. If you find, you know, are we going to get mad at a guy who's out metal detecting when he finds treasure? No. It's he was out there looking. If she we were it. looking, we could find something like this. Uh and I just want to get on board with her because I'm sure I bought Velveeta mac and cheese, shells and cheese cups at some point. And it did take more than three and a half minutes. And now I'm upset, doggone it. That's my hard-earned money that I spent believing it would be ready in three and a half minutes. And I was wrong. And, like, when you make it, too, like, it says it takes a second. Like, you want to let it sit there for a second afterwards Uh and let, like, the cheese harden up. It says that inner thing as well, which is so true. It's If you try to eat it right away, it is not nearly as good as if you wait, like, a minute or two and let the cheese, like, harden a little bit onto the shelves. Ten times better. It says defendant notes. Cheese sauce will thicken upon standing. You You want to wait. Let it sit. Besides that, you would burn your mouth. It's not ready to eat three and a half minutes after the microwave because then you'll burn your tongue straight out of your mouth. It also says you need to stir in contents of the cheese sauce pouch after you microwave it for three and a half minutes. It's it's a four minute. If you count the wait waiting for it to cool off, that's like a six minute process. And so I feel that we're all owed something. And thank goodness uh, that Amanda Ramirez has filed a class action lawsuit on behalf of all of us consumers for $5 million. Uh, so good luck to her. You, Either you, way, you I like Velveeta. Yeah. It's good mac and cheese. It is good. I just wish it was truthful. Hey, they're already eating anyways. Might as well do it on the show. The Riot with Nikki and Hudson. Radio U. Uh, we were talking about favorite Thanksgiving sides, I believe the conversation yeah. was. And most people were throwing out things that you actually have at a normal Thanksgiving. Stuffing, some people call dressing. Uh, mashed potatoes, rolls, biscuits, uh, corn pudding, the green bean casserole. Disagree, but some people were saying that, and that's a normal Thanksgiving thing. And then Isaiah comes in out of nowhere. He says... Cherry fluff. Like that's something everybody had. Which I assumed everyone did. Act surprised when we're confused. We thought he was pulling a fast one on us. Thought he was making up a joke. But I'm seeing now there's no denying it's not a joke because uh, his mom, your mom makes it, right? Mm -hmm. His mom was nice enough to make Nikki and I each... A serving of cherry fluff. It looks like a cherry cheesecake so, filling. Yeah. And then a cherry mm-hmm. on top. See, I was wondering, is it, I'm looking at it, and I thought it was just like Cool Whip and, and cherries. Oh, it's much is more that than all that. It is? What else is in there? What, oh. Can you give away the, the recipe? I don't know what it is, but I know it's more than that. Do it's you mix just, it up? I usually, it doesn't really matter. Mix it up, eat it separate. Usually, I would take a bite of both of them. Though. Both together. Yeah, Definitely. you want that cherry glaze yeah. with that white Do you stuff. Do have any? No, I have some at home. Okay. I didn't have a canister. You Give need her, some uh, of mine and get this sick. No, I don't think I want to <laughs> eat after yeah. you. Do you, you ever, uh, before I taste this, you ever eat it for 
if we're going for breakfast with this. I don't usually lead in with breakfast, yeah. I won't lie. Too More sweet. of like a late night snack, yeah. lunch, dinner. What about when you're making your Thanksgiving leftover sandwiches? You ever <gasps> dump this on there? I don't usually, I don't usually dump it on, you but it probably would be very good. Listen, this is favorite. He, he eats it. Yes, as well. yeah. I eat it, it straight up. Right. I don't need to mix it in with anything else. I want to see what, Ooh, what all the fuss is about. Isn't it it's so just good? Like cheesecake. I know it's so good. That's really good. I thought it'd be more whipped cream. Hmm, yeah, it looks whipped creamy, but it's nice. I want to see what the what this filling, like the non what it consists of. That's delicious. That's good. Isn't that good stuff? My favorite part of Thanksgiving every year is the dessert, it's and there's so many fun. good desserts. But that one's my favorite one. That's delicious. I do want to eat. I do find myself wanting to eat more. And the, and the crazy thing is, is I don't even know what it is, but it looks like it's so simple. It looks this like it's made out of three things. Magic. It does. It looks like it's cherries and cool, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not. That. I don't know it's what that cool white whip. stuff is, but it's, it's much, good. It's you much have to thicker. at this point start learning from your mom. Yeah. I know, but she can make it for a while for me. <laughs> she, she has a while left. We, well, I'll be good for a while. Well, wait, how often do, do you only get that at Thanksgiving? No, it's around for multiple special occasions. But only special occasions. Yeah, just special occasions. Did I don't get that. All. I don't just get it all the time. No, you don't want that. Like it'll probably be there for Christmas too. But you don't. You wouldn't just want uh, on a June afternoon. No, you've had a long day at work and you come home and you're like, you know what sauce. I want to do? I've had a tough day. Hudson really giving me a hard time. I'd like to whip up some cherry. See, fluff. I feel like if you have it on special occasions only, then it feels more special. If I start making it all the time, then I'll get tired of it. But since I only get it a couple times a year, then it's like the greatest thing ever. Is, Whenever I do get it, it's that much better. Is that Jaden, your brother? Probably. It's cream cheese, sugar, and Cool Whip. Look at oh, that. Oh, so she passed the recipe on to him and out to Jayden's you. Jaden's more the cook of the family, oddly enough. My younger brother, for clearly, whatever reason. Clearly you can't be trusted. Clearly I cannot. No. Oh, so now you guys delicious. know you can make it for not, yourself. Not even with cream, uh, what was it? Cream cheese, sugar, and, and, cool, cool, whip. and cool Whip. Can't, I can't even do that no, much. That's too complex for Isaiah. But no, it is, uh, it's pretty good. So thanks to your mom for... Providing that. For oh, us. of course. Is it my favorite Thanksgiving side dish? No, but is it good? It's now on the list. It's pretty now good. you can add to your guys' yeah, Thanksgiving. That's... The Riot with Hudson and Nikki on Radio U. You guys ever have this uh, when you were a kid where you get caught smoking cigarettes by your parents? And so their idea of punishing you is, uh, oh, you want to smoke, huh? Here, here's a whole pack of cigarettes. Oh, here's a whole more. carton. Start puffing, boy, as Hank Hill would say. <laughs> uh, maybe that never happened to you guys, but we're all familiar with that. Well, we have some parents in China who took that punishment tactic, but not in regards to their child smoking cigarettes. They have an eight-year-old boy who uh, they went. Out, the parents went out for a night out. They left their eight-year-old home and alone. Said, yeah. Well, that's it, a little young. Is that young, Isaiah? Seems a little young. I mean, I'm not you really think? familiar with kids. I was I, definitely. I don't really know how old an eight-year-old is. How were you at eight? 
I don't remember. <laughs> That's so long ago. Is that like second grade? I know my mom left me home alone at eight years old, which was a big mistake. Yeah. Uh, but she did it, and look where I am now. Uh, so anyways, eight years old, he, they told him when they left, they said, when we get back, you uh, better have your homework done. You should be in bed. And this little boy, I feel like he's, uh, I feel like he's ahead of his time. Like he's wise beyond his years because instead of doing his homework, he uh, watches TV the whole entire time. Nice. The parents have it on like closed, ca- uh, whatever it's CCTV. Yeah, they so they've got cameras. their yeah, they've got their cam- uh, house cameraed up, and uh, so he doesn't do his homework. He watches TV the whole time, and when he thinks they're about to come home. He runs off to his bedroom. So did he not know there was pretend. a camera? Oh, probably. I guess not. I yeah. guess not. So he pretended like he had been in bed, like they asked. But they can, I mean, his parents aren't idiots. They can tell he didn't do his homework. So, and they they know that he was watching TV the whole time. So they say, all right, uh, start puffing, boy. So just they more TV. Set him in front of the TV, and they're like, you are watching TV all night long. And, of course, at first the kid is totally fine with it, right? Uh, like, wouldn't you be if your parents are like, all right, you're going to have to stay up all night watching whatever you want on TV. But there is point, like even at 2 a.m., the kid gets to the point where he's so tired, he's like crying. Aww. He wants to go to bed, and his parents won't let him. And uh, he, the, he did eventually get to go to sleep at 5 a.m. Well, he just needs to be a little older. He would have loved it. I know. That's what I'm thinking, right? That's I a good think, night. You think it would, do you think that would actually teach him a lesson? I think so. You think? He was crying. Well, I mean, it taught him that there's a camera there. Pain. Yeah, that's probably. (laughs) (laughs) He knows to hide it better. Yeah, he does. Or uh, like the veteran move would be do your homework first and then watch TV. Then like how mad can they be? You know what I mean? Go to your room and hide your phone. Yeah, right. And then watch it there. You can figure out something. But I don't know. I'll tell you uh, one thing is his parents obviously right they stayed up all night to make sure that he was staying up all night and that's where i would draw the line of like thinking of myself having a child if i was gonna do that there's no punishment if the punishment involves me staying up all night i'm not doing that you're you're getting off scot-free let that be an alert to uh my children but I feel like if this was in the United States, uh-huh. the bigger thing would have been they wouldn't have left him alone. At yes, age you don't eight. think so? They would have gotten in trouble. That's what some people are upset. They're not upset that they left him at home alone today, but they are upset that like they think it was abuse to make him watch TV. Oh my gosh! Yeah. To make him stay up. Oh my, that's ridiculous. Yeah, especially because uh, lots of kids would do that on their own anyway. So I don't think uh, it's not abuse. Eight years old, and you guys didn't get left. I wonder how he'll make it to school tomorrow. I mean, how is this kid ever going to recover from the trauma he has been put through? Uh Staying up all night long watching TV. He may never watch a TV again. (laughs) Not till five. (laughs) Or stay up late again either. Yeah. 
Hudson and Isaiah seem like they know a lot about sports, yet somehow it's Nikki that always gets it right. The Riot Radio U. Nikki, uh, you listen. You listen to the sh- to the show when Isaiah and I are doing it. When I was gone. Yeah. Um. What do we do? We did. What did we do, Isaiah? We did like. I saw some of the food six, fights. seven episodes. We did some. It was like a week and a half. Yeah, like uh, seven, you eight guys shows. Did great. How do you know? Did you listen? I just know in my heart. It was good. So you didn't listen. It was, it was fact, riveting stuff. In listen. fact, if my voice doesn't get any better, you get more chances. Yeah, so yeah there it is. You know what I told Isaiah? We talked about this. We, we asked the question of if we thought you listened when we when you weren't here. I said no. And uh, But what I said was when I'm not here, I always listen. Yeah. Because you guys always make fun of me, and I need to know what to be mad about. Are you making fun of me matter. when I'm gone? No. We didn't really make fun, fun of you when you're here, when you <laughs> yeah, sound like Yeah, I like this. to do it to your face <laughs> instead. Uh, being kind enough to not. But listen, Nikki, when, this is what happens when you don't listen when you aren't here, is that you miss out on stuff. Like, Isaiah and I made an agreement when the World Cup started. Yeah. That uh, if the United States went further than Canada or vice versa, like whoever uh, went the further. The loser is. The loser. Oh, the punishment. Yeah, the loser had to oh, get punished. Oh, I saw those texts, yeah. And uh, so with uh, a lot of listener input, what we found, what we decided upon the punishment was, uh, we're going to have to do something spicy. Hot, yeah. Right, yeah, like a, the one chip challenge, or somebody sends us something called the death nut. So yeah, we might have to do that. But here's here's what happened: Canada yesterday, they're done. Oh, they lost. I mean, they have they're one more done game. Though. But they, the United States tied, right? We've been tied. Yeah. Now the United we States. We have a shot tomorrow. Has one more chance. Tomorrow they play Iran. Am I saying that right? It's Iran, right? Is it Iran? I think it's Iran. I think it's Iran. Whatever you want it to be. I've heard it both ways. Uh, So if the United States isn't able to make it out tomorrow, um, we might both have to do it. That is what happened. That was the agreement. It's not like whoever lost first. Well, they're you still know, that in the does kind of make sense. Don't they're you think still in the, I think it kind of sounds like you've already lost. No, that's, we, yeah, but the United States is still in the same stage. Yeah, but we're still going, though. We made it farther. No, you didn't. But we still have a game to play tomorrow. <laughs> so does Canada have one more game. But you guys are already eliminated, though. Oh, but is it really it's a game? the same I'm round. It's the same round. If, well, if, like a consolation it's game. It's like if we were like, okay, it's football, and whoever gets further, and there's games on Saturday and Sunday, yeah. and one team loses on Saturday, that doesn't mean that they were eliminated in the early, we did it by round. We agreed. We clearly it's agreed. Fair, on fair. That. We're not. I'm not worried about yeah. it because the USA tomorrow. We're winning anyway. We're winning anyway. We're moving on, and I'm so excited. What What makes you so confident? Because we just we just tie with England. Have you watched the games? Even oh, I've been I watching. Saw. We should have beaten England. We should have beaten England, so why wouldn't we beat Iran? But, but a tie is a win. Yeah. Meaning, like, no one expected them to even do that. Yeah, exactly. But if you tie Iran, Iran, then we're out. 
You're out. We're so, out. Yeah. But if we beat them, then we move on. Okay. I don't know. I'm we'll keep know. us updated. I don't want to be in the position of rooting for Iran, so I guess I'll try. Yeah, you better chip us. But at the same time, I understand because you're going to have to do the one chip. I mean, you're doing it either way. So you might as well be in on it. So you'd rather me do it with you, obviously, and I would rather not do it with you. And so I cannot wait to watch tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Then I seal my fate as either a victor or also a loser. I'm in a. It is a really uncomfortable position uh, because I'm not going to be. Go Iran, boo United States. It's not going to be that, me. That's like when you vote against or uh, root against the Buckeyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you think Literally. that's worse? You think, think it's worse? I don't know. I think it should. It probably is worse. Well, I like when you guys do challenges when I'm gone. So yeah. keep it up. Actually, you know what? I guess it'll be a consolation that if the United States does lose to Iran, Iran, then. Uh, <laughs> Then at least it's not all a loss because Isaiah will have to do the one chip challenge. Something will happen tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. So uh, we'll work on that. Uh, but go USA, I guess. Go USA, baby. <laughs> you just heard the worst of the worst. We'd give you the best of the best, but we'd have to find that. As soon as we do, you'll be the first to know. Audio Jungle.